I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to a very special All About All Elite. This is the Legacy Series Presents G1 Supercard from Madison Square Garden. This is a show that we are going to sit down in. We're going to bring you our experiences, our takeaways. This is a special night in WrestleMania weekend, and though WWE tried to stop it, they could not. New Japan Pro Wrestling Ring of Honor filling up Madison Square Garden, performing for five and a half hours. And no, I'm not a fan of overly regulating anything, but if I could regulate the wrestling industry, you would have a three-hour pay-per-view, and that would be it, even if everything was off the chart. But that's neither here nor there. We bring you G1 Supercard. We'll kick off by talking a little bit about AEW from the week, but mostly this is going to be G1 Supercard, and I have a feeling we're going to go from bell to bell. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band and I am joined by my friend and co-host by God my learned colleague Mr. Miz fan the brain if you had told me a year ago that I would be covering a ring of honor new Japan show I wouldn't have been surprised if you had told me a year ago that that show would have been in Madison Square Garden I definitely would have been surprised if you told me I would be covering that same show with my good friend Shane aka Mystic I would have been exceptionally surprised. And if you told me that he would be super hype to talk about that show, I would have been shocked. But I'm glad we live in a reality where all of these things have happened. Greetings, Fan fans. Welcome, indeed, to the G1 Supercard Special Edition of the Legacy Series. I'm super excited. It's been a great, great weekend of wrestling. Whether you love WWE, whether you love New Japan, whether you love uh, Joey Janela's whole rainbow of weird, interesting shows, any kind of wrestling that you love has basically happened over this past weekend. So if you're not a wrestling fan now, I ask you, what are you waiting for? Huh, I'm excited. I'm feeling good today, my friend. I am feeling great. And I take your point. The mystic is one who can disappoint people, but by God, he's one that can surprise people as well. So I would not have guessed we would be doing this. And I also want to say props to everybody in this wrestling weekend, but also props to the company who pulled back and said, we're not going to be wrestling this weekend because I think it's a nice touch for AEW. And not only that, but they already defeated WWE. Triple H took an L this weekend as he did his overly scripted bullshit that he's been <laughs> doing his whole career. Billy Gunn, how about you do this and we'll set up this and I'll come with some tired ass line. I don't even know what a pissant um, company is, but, you know, set up that line. Pissant company. I'm going to get a little petty for a moment. Then I'm going to get out of my pettiness because it's a celebration. But I'm just going to say one thing, Mr. Triple H. I would rather be a man standing on my own two feet in a pissant company than a man standing on the shoulders of a family I fucked my way into, sir. And you know how you took the L? You brought AEW into the WWE lexicon, and two nights later, on Monday Night Raw, when you're screwing over the fans, as per usual, what do the fans start chanting? AEW. So, 
the company that decided not to be part of WrestleMania weekend was represented at the WWE Hall of Fame and Monday Night Raw. Sorry about your damn luck. <laughs> okay. This is... I have so much... I got notes, but I also don't need notes because so much felt sense this weekend, Miss Van. I, did you watch... What shows did you watch? Mm. So far, I've watched uh, this show, G1 Supercard. Um, I've watched uh, one of the uh, GCW shows, the Orange Cassidy show, and I watched the uh, WXW in America show. And I think that's all so far, but I'm going to go back for some more because there's a lot of good stuff there. You could have not even been saying words there for what, for all I know. (laughs) I love, this is, this is Miz fan right here. This guy has been for over 10 weeks giving me convince me segments to introduce people to me and he can still speak a foreign language about pro wrestling around me when he wants so it's deep and wide my friend <laughs> i believe oh, you have you seen joey ryan's penis party yet or is that um on the that's, that's not on my list um, <laughs> i um i talked about it before joey ryan's a guy i respect in terms of his hustle in terms of the popularity that he's gained uh, he's just not my kind of humor, so probably will not be checking out that one. Okay. I just wanted to mention, like, you you, you name-dropped a lot, and I just want to make sure that everyone, you know, in fairness. <laughs> Is aware, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Miss Fan and I will likely agree on a lot, will likely disagree on a lot, but I am going to probably have some fucking hot takes. And I'm not. it's not for the purpose of having hot takes, but... This is just a world I always I always back myself into a corner against the capital I internet. And I got a feeling it will happen before we're done today. But even not being in the weekend, though, before we get to G1 Supercard, AEW has made some news this week. Where do you want to start, my friend? Uh, well, I want to talk about uh, some talent that we know is going to be part of AEW, either once or long term. Uh, three names come to mind, all of them exciting to me. Hikaru Shida, who we have actually mm. talked about a little on this show, has been signed. He had that amazing classic match with Aja Kong just last year, now signed. Maybe they can have a rematch. I would be very excited. Um, Brian Pillman Jr., I know you are very excited about, is at least going to be a double or nothing. I didn't hear. Did they say if he was signed for more than that? Or He's that just a- signed for the Battle Royal, okay. but... The way well, he's been name-dropping Cody, I think that the relationship is good. I would be very interested to see that. I still, I think I've still not seen him wrestle, but I think I will soon uh, with MLW. So we will we will get to him and talk about him a lot more. Uh, a name I am very excited about is Darby Allen that they have signed, um, which is significant also because he was kind of part of the Evolve system, and Evolve, uh, a lot of people know, Kind of just feeds into WWE, and uh, they thought a lot of him there. But uh, I was not looking forward to him going to WWE because, you know, as much as it's everybody's right to go there if they want to, I feel like people tend to just get lost in the shuffle. I think this is a guy with a load of potential, and I think uh, AEW could be a great fit for him. I'm very excited about this signing. True story. Listeners, please don't turn us off after I say this. Um, I worked 14 hours yesterday. And I got a text message from Ms. Ten saying Darby Darby Allen has signed with AEW, and I was like, awesome! Another uh, women's wrestler. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'll, I'll look her up later. And then last night I get home and I watch the uh, the latest Double or Nothing video, and that dude's look is fucking fire, sir. Yeah. I am. I don't know this person, 
and maybe this is the first time this has happened in the history of AEW, but I'm excited about someone for their look rather than having to find a way to apologize and get around their look. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't know what to do with that. Like, he had a half either painted face or something on his face? Yeah, I believe it's painted. Fire and some graffiti and a lot of shit going on. Is a fucking skateboard going on? I don't know. I don't know what I think about him, but he actually had a look that I don't have to get past, and I am thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think you'll like the guy. So uh, we'll do a convince me soon. He's a, he jumped right to the top of my list, so we will we will talk about him more in the very near future. I think he was nicely placed too because he's out is on the outside of the narr the narration. So you got all the narrative done, and into the video we're just kind of with him where he is. So. Mm-hmm. And we see a the letters AEW going up in flames around him. And we'll see what we got. And Brian Pillman Jr., I've not yet been impressed with as a wrestler. Um, he's green, but he is the son of Brian Pillman. And I don't even know if I like his promos yet, but I like his shoot interviews. So I wish he would do more like that, which is his talk like. He has a good story. I feel like I'm always looking for someone who has a chip on their shoulder. He has it. I think he has a lot of talent that maybe he can grow into, and if he does grow into, then whichever company allows him to do it is going to be lucky. But at the same time, I said this. The rumor is anywhere from AEW is going to be on uh, the the Turner Broadcasting, whoever they are now. I don't really care. It's not the point. Yeah, is what I've heard. Yes, anywhere from that's likely to that's pretty much happened, but they don't want to announce it. If, 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 if that is so. I need violins right now. (laughs) Do you know what it's like to live long enough to see this happen? Do you know what it's like when your whole entire world is centered on two channels, TBS, TNT, because of WCW? When the best wrestling you ever watched for your taste, that was your parent, your babysitter, your friend, and your brother growing up, that company, that station, is not only brought to demise, but somehow purchased by the rival who then can make believe a bunch of bullshit narratives for decades that everyone just believes until two awesome people rise from the ashes and make WCW the legacy series? (laughs) Do you know what it's like to live long enough to see the son of Dusty Rhodes get pissed off because he's booking ideas, asking for ideas, asking permission to perform, and writers from WWE have their laptop fucking powered off and typing on it like they're busy? And he walks out of the company, he writes a letter, makes a name for himself, and starts a wrestling company with a billionaire. And perhaps they're going to be on TNT. Do you know what that feels like? And to have the son of Brian Pillman and the son of Dusty Rhodes and Turner. We're going to talk about it if it happens. We're going to talk about it if and when it happens. If they get the deal done and the rumors are right. It's May 15th of next year, that, or of this year, that we will get the announcement. We'll see. And here's the weird thing. I was walking home last night from my two-long day, and I had two thoughts. 
one of them was I never thought I would see this day. And then the next one was almost, it feels like I've always known that there's going to be a Tuesday night dynamite on TNT. I don't know if I even like those names or if they'll happen. But it's just one of those weird deja vu type things where it's, the felt sense it was just so familiar. Like, yeah, this is, I know this. I've known this. So I don't know what's going to happen. But Miss Fan said it earlier. What a time in wrestling where people are watching shows they normally wouldn't watch. Madison Square Garden is selling out. There are five, ten, fifteen thousand shows to watch just in WrestleMania weekend, and they're all thriving. Can you do that at home, listener? Can you take two steps back and look at the world in front of you and recognize this is not the wrestling world you've known? It's not the wrestling world we'll even know in a year. That there are dynamic things happening. And we are in the midst of it. Is that exciting? I don't know. It's for me. That's very exciting for me. <laughs> uh, what a time it is, you know. Um, even compared, yeah, to like five years ago, just what's out there, what's accessible, what's happening. It would be uh, unthinkable to even try to explain all this to somebody in 2014. Oh. They would think you were lying and that you were stupid and that you were trying to mess with their life just to tell them all these lies so it's really incredible um how much things have changed for the positive honestly um so yeah it's a wonderful time i think to be a wrestling fan it is it is a wonderful time to be a g1 supercard madison square garden watching and then let's listen to a podcast or someone talking about it for three fucking hours because they're super (laughs) excited about it time (laughs) oh for sure For sure. A couple more AEW notes just before we start that show. One, um, I don't know if we've actually talked much about this person, but uh, one of the big things coming out of WrestleMania weekend, Sasha Banks uh, maybe trying to quit WWE, may have Mm. already quit WWE, um, just out of uh, general frustration about uh, promises or maybe implications being made to her not being uh, fulfilled just kind of a general squandering of talent. So I don't know. Have you seen any of this? Do you have any feeling uh, about this person? I don't even know how familiar you are with Sasha Banks. I can't not see it because it's everywhere. Right. It's a big story. Well, number one, let me just a, a quick aside, and I'll quit that because we got a lot to do. But WWE seems lately to be having a lot of edgy Twitter stuff going on, and I'm getting, sure. a, little, getting a little bit tired of that murk. I don't know if that's their way of like, oh, look at us respond. We're edgy on Twitter. But... <laughs> It's hard to parse things out because of some of this bullshit angle and some of it's, you know, the real things people are feeling. I will say, at first, I did not like Sasha Banks without even watching her for the same reason I did not like Finn Balor because I was on Twitter at the time and everything that was in NXT was so, like, oh, his entrance. And then I watched Finn Balor's entrance and I was like, <laughs> he didn't say anything. That's right. right. I didn't say anything because I wasn't impressed. I had nothing good or bad to say. I was just like, it's a fucking stupid entrance and the guy is not even big enough to wear the thing on his shoulders. <laughs> no offense, Finn Balor, Balor, you're awesome. I didn't like you in New Japan. Don't like you in WWE. Don't dislike you either. That's a deal. At me. Oh, you can't at me because I'm not on social media. So I don't like Finn Balor. But that's not the point. Sasha Banks. <laughs> Sasha Banks is the point. I will say this. Every time someone decides to leave, if you're in WWE and you have a problem, but you're loyal to WWE, the whole comment section will find a way to be like, oh, my God, we need to have compassion on this person. Um they stumped their toe at three years old, and they've struggled with that ever since, and people don't mention that. But the minute that your issues 
mean that you might be leaving the company or not loyal to the company. They bring down hellfire and brimstone on you, and there's no excuse for you to live as a human being. So I don't know because every comment section I'm in right now says that she's the worst human being ever, selfish, not a good employee. So I will say that if that were to be true, I would not want her in AEW. But if that is not true, I do think Sasha Banks has a look that is awesome, has a wrestling um, credentials that people all used to be excited about somehow and are not now. Um, so... I think Sasha Banks potentially, if I'm AEW, I sit down with Sasha Banks and I try to figure out what went right, what went wrong, and then I ask one question that I need to be convinced on. Can you take all this bullshit, all this anger, all this whatever, and channel it into being the best damn Sasha Banks that you can be and making this the best damn AEW that it can be? And if I believe her on that... I get excited about the potential of Sasha Banks. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, for my part, um, I'll be honest, I do think Sasha Banks is overrated just on a personal level. As a fan, um, she got a lot of praise for some matches that I thought were maybe not quite as good as other people said they were. But I will say, everything I've seen about her tells me that she is one of the most passionate wrestlers, maybe mm -hmm. too passionate even, but still... I look at how she's been handled over the past few years, and I look at how popular she's been, and these two things don't add up. And if I were in a position like that, or I was poised to be in the top of my field, and yet again and again, for reasons that are badly explained, for reasons that don't make sense, for reasons that are not even attempted at times, I get shoved to the back of the line. Maybe I'd be a little upset, too. Mm. Yeah, so I... Uh, even not being that excited about Sasha Banks as a performer, I do think um, she probably has every reason to be uh, very frustrated. And uh, I think it's weird that a lot of people, because, yeah, anytime someone might leave the WWE, people come out of the woodwork to criticize them. But you also get a lot of people sometimes to support them. Say, oh, yeah, Dean Ambrose, man, he's mm. oh, he's got to go be free. Uh, the Usos, oh, they got to go be free. The Revival, they need to be free. They need to go out, shake off evil WWE. And then Sasha Banks comes along, and, oh, well, Sasha, she's just pouting. Oh, she's such a mark for herself. Oh, my awesome. God. Oh, man. It's like you can't win, because everyone's like, oh, Brock Lesnar, he doesn't give enough fucks. Uh, fuck him. Come on, oh, Sasha thing. Banks, she gets too many fucks. <laughs> fuck her, you know? So it's like... You can't win sometimes, so it's a ridiculous situation, I think. But I hope it comes out well for Sasha, because regardless of how I feel, people love Sasha, uh, and they want to see her succeed. And uh, I hope that she figures out the best place to do that. If I'm AEW, too, don't be afraid to fire somebody. Sure, absolutely. So if they have the guts to fire someone who misbehaves, then I say sign her in a minute. Yeah. Because, you know, here's a, here's a funny thing, listeners. This is going to be... Uh, I'm going to be in my worst bag today, it feels like, so I'm going to go ahead and give a trigger warning in <laughs> case right. necessary. You know who got a lot of praise this weekend? The legendary Bret Hart. Because it's bullshit what happened to him, so do not misunderstand me, but oh, yeah. every, even the attack on him, though, you attack the legendary, legendary. You know who behaved like Sasha Banks at times in his career? Bret Hart. Sure. Bret Hart got pissed off a lot. 
you a lot of people are just like, oh, Hulk Hogan should have put him over, and maybe he should have. But Bret Hart pitched a fucking fit back there about not getting put over, and. According to some stories, Hulk Hogan never said he was going to do it. They went to Vince McMahon, and it was Vince McMahon that was lying. But Bret Hart pitched a fit. Bret Hart went home at times. Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Yeah, okay. But Bret Hart also left for six months after he dropped the belt. That's that's a very convenient way to let the company the company suffer under whoever comes next. It's a little bit Hulk Hogan giving the belt to the Ultimate Warriors so the fans will watch him as he walks away. You know what? A lot, probably a lot of the people you called legend behaved a little bit more like Sasha Banks than your than your favorite uh, backstage stage behaving fan. I am I'm, I'm I'm a little bit tired, a little bit tired. If you're toxic to the point that the company cannot uh, cannot use you, let the company fire them. But I'm getting a little bit tired of judging the wrestlers not by their promos or their wrestling skill, but by how you think they are as a human being mm. having fans in the comment section literally call Sasha Banks a mark I was like what world are we now living in that that the mark the word mark the pro wrestling has been flipped the fans now own it and the wrestler we we are now the ones in the know and the wrestlers oh god look at that mark <laughs> what a fucking world we are in yeah. and if, again if Sasha Banks can channel all of that in a good way, then that's AEW's benefit. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously not knowing everything about the situation, but yeah, yes. just on its surface, I agree. We need more people who are going to bet on themselves, more people who are not just going to be, oh, well, I'll go along for the team, you know, I'll just do whatever you want, this big man, you know, Triple mm. H, you guys, just give me the orders, and I'm going to, you know, hey, have somebody who's like, I can be more than I am. I want to be more than I am. You're not letting me be more than I am, so maybe I'm going to go somewhere else and be who I am, you know? Uh, that's not a bad thing. Hello, wake up, people. So, I don't know. It's a if, weird situation, but uh, it, it bore discussion, I thought. Uh, absolutely. If AEW is being honest, if with the good and the bad, and you're going to sink or swim on your own merit, your own promo skills, your own wrestling, then some, might, some people might get there, and it might turn out, well... We like your passion, but you really ought to go back to a company that does the booking for you. <laughs> you know, that might happen. But at the same time, if Sasha Banks is going to be this damn salty because she thought that she's going to get a tag title ring longer than she did, and she's pissed off about how she's been treated, and she can go somewhere else where she fucking earns it, and she's got, she's got it like that, more power to her and more power to pro wrestling for having a platform where you can do it. Sink or swim, folks. Yep. Brian fucking Pillman. I'm talking about the son of Brian Pillman, and I'm saying I'm not seeing Russell a good match or have a great promo, but Brian fucking Pillman. Why am I excited about him? Because his father said, I am not going to merely be one kind of wrestler in my whole career. You're not going to make me be that. I am more than that. I can draw a crowd. I can be a main event guy, and he would have been a main event guy with fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin had he not had the injuries. No reason for that. He was wearing Cincinnati bingo tights and was bound for good and bad to the lightweight division. There was no reason for that to happen except for he said, it's not going to happen. I'm going to be more than this. And there's a whole history of pro wrestling. We're standing on a platform that partly exists financially, that partly exists in a wide enough eye of the public because there were men and women that said, I'm going to be more than people expect or believe that I can be. And now that's that's a bad thing. So good luck with that. Yeah. Bet on yourself. Rock the boat. Fuck the narrative, man. All that stuff. That's what I want to see. 
Uh, all right, one last note about AEW, and then we're definitely going to get to uh, G1 Supercard here. Jim Ross, Jim fucking Ross, mm. uh, already making me nervous. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it was an interview or something where he came out, and he was like, well, we're going to do a three-man booth in AEW, and I don't like three-man booths, and I don't like doing it with people that I don't know, but the company wants it, so I guess we'll do it. So Jim Ross already kind of maybe shitting mm-hmm. on uh, his job a little bit that he just got like a minute ago. So making me nervous that we're just going to get grumpy Jim Ross, who, you know, I don't know, made me nervous. I wanted to throw it out there. I did not see that, and I am not happy with that. And if they need to pull his ass into, like, a room, and he needs to be reprimanded immediately. That That is my feeling as well, so... You know, he may be Jim fucking Ross, but yeah, he is not above uh, this company or kind of having the right to go out and make grumpy comments before anything even happened. So, yeah. And it's not know. his fault. But even another thing he was asked, you know, if he'd ever go back to WWE, never say never. But then, like, the first Jim Ross headline was Jim Ross, you know, open to going back to WWE. <laughs> and, like, five seconds after he had signed with AEW. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. You got to... This is we we try to be honest on this show. You can very well say, "Oh, Mystic, I heard you say one thing in one segment, and then the next one you said something completely different." And I would say yes because context and complication and life and human being. And I'm gonna say the, the, the opposite. Like, thank God there's a company that potentially we got the merit to make or break on our own to have some independence. But that same independence might sink the fucking boat, just like a lot of people think, because Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and company might just be out for their money, so to speak. That's a metaphor. That's not the people. But, you know, it's so fucking disrespectful for Jim Ross. The one thing I always said and then even hoped I didn't have to say because I thought it was so obvious. If Jim Ross can only be a fucking professional for Vincent, man, get the fuck out of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh I guess we'll see what happens with him. Um, it, 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 I have reservations about Jim fucking Russ, even if he is Jim fucking Russ. So, who knows? It's a man that was so obedient for so long. He got down on his knees in a fucking ring with a camera and a crowd and a family and kissed his owner's bare ass. Like, I lost so much respect for him over time because of how obedient he was to WWE. And I've not seen one even ounce of that outside of it. So to me, the kind of money we know he's getting, you even if you, you even if you can only believe it's WWE, call Tony Khan, Vince McMahon, and call AEW WWE and behave the fuck up. Or there are masked men that can take your job, sir. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I didn't even have this in my notes, but what is this story? It's not even a real story. Um, I don't know. I just keep seeing people like an announcer with a mask. We can't take well, that seriously. Fuck you. What are you talking about? Like, this is the most incomprehensible talking point that I have seen in recent memory, and that, that covers a lot of ground. I can't even begin to engage with that mindset when you have freaking Jerry the King Lawler and his crown and his gaudy shit and mm. Jesse Ventura wearing, like, ten wigs stacked on each other and all this stuff that everyone nobody batted an eye at, but a wrestler with a mask? <laughs> oh, 
I can't do I can't get into this product. This is a deal breaker for me. Fuck you. You know, okay, all right, that's it. I I thankfully have not seen that, but I will add one more thing to that. Has nobody watched Lucha Underground? <laughs> Amen. Could you not connect to those characters? It's you know what it is WWE hasn't done it. If WWE <laughs> did it last month, then it would be not a thing to do it now. <sighs> yeah. We have to be prepped. We have to. We we want an alternative to WWE, but it, also don't be different. <laughs> but also be on the same channel at the same time. Doing what? Doing maybe we should just put W. Ah, goddamn it! I'm done. Okay. All right. Yeah, no that, more WWE a, talk. It's out. That's I'm a done. stupid talking point. And <laughs> I'm also terrible. going to go. Oh man. I'm going to go in on kings and crowns later, so I'm glad you set that up. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. All right. It is time, definitely, to talk about this very special, historic, amazing event—the biggest wrestling event outside of WWE in the last almost 20 years. Um. Yeah, it is uh, whew, the New Japan Ring of Honor G1 Supercard, April 6th. Uh, you can watch it online, you can watch it through uh, ROH Club, through New Japan World, through Fight TV. Lots of ways to see this show if you haven't already. Whew, all right, let's talk about it. Let's get right into it, my friend. Absolutely. I watched it on Ring of Honor's Honor Club, so I've got a one-month subscription. They have some cool interviews and stuff. But that's nine ninety nine. Fight TV, it was $40, so save $30, <laughs> then got a month. Yeah, I, for uh, I resubbed to New Japan World instead. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, which I, I had dropped uh, for a little while, but it is a really good service, so I picked it up again. Might keep it for a while. Um, I'm not as high on New Japan as some, but they do put out some great stuff. So, you know, I'm never averse to kind of checking that out. I'm not either. We will We will talk because there's so much talk. Oh, yeah about the shortcomings of Ring of Honor and New Japan is just god goddamn perfect and you <laughs> know the narrative I don't know if I completely agree with it but we'll, we'll we're see. just going to talk about what we experienced and you know what we're not going to have if we do anything and we don't do it perfectly cuz again human beings but I think it's Carl Jung who said people don't have ideologies ideologies have people mm-hmm. and we are trying when we do our shows not to be driven by master narratives even if it means I'm going old school, folks, but even Mr. Emerson, Mr. Emerson from back in the day, Mr. Uh, romantic writer said that say your hard truth today and say your hard truth tomorrow, even if it contradicts everything you said the day before. And I don't we're not going to be driven by master narratives. We might like one thing and then not like another. And then, oh, my God, if they're both the ring of honor. Well, then I don't like the other one because I have to get in line with the master. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And we will not. This is going to be fun, man. I have never in my fucking life sat through a five and a half hour show and I almost died. That was and maybe the most shocking part of all to hear that you watched this in one sitting. Because uh, believe me, I did not. That that would be a lot for me. In an uncomfortable chair at my desk, five and a half hours and I'm old and everything hurts. And if you're young, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I did it and I did it out of respect for this night and what it meant. So let's go. Let's do it. All right. We're going to jump right into the card here. First, we have the Honor Rumble, the uh, little, little Royal Rumble type match, kicking this off, kind of a pre-show thing. But, man, I, I was excited to watch this. I love Rumble-style matches in general. I was looking forward to seeing a lot of guys that I knew, maybe even some guys that I didn't. 
And believe me, it, it's hard sometimes to dig up guys that I don't know at this point. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, like, I run across a lot of people. But even a few people here that I didn't know. Um, we had a lot going on in this match. A lot of familiar names. Minoru Suzuki, favorite of mine, come in at, uh, I forget if he was two. number one or two. Number two. Number two. Kenny King, yeah. Kenny King was number one. Kenny King was number one. He was. Uh, a lot of familiar names in here. We've got a lot of... Uh, Los Ingobernables people, Shingo, Bushi. Uh, we got Brian Malonis, that big mm-hmm. man that we saw in uh, one of the Convince yes. Me segments. We have uh, one of my favorite guys, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, New York native, <laughs> getting a nice pop. We have legends like Jushin Liger, Great Muda appearing, Cole Cabana getting a surprise spot in there. We have Haku, my man, mm. my absolute man, <laughs> Meng himself. Coming in there, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, the much maligned Delirious, who may not have chops as a booker, but I will always enjoy this man. There's a lot of people in here. There's a lot. Show and Yo stuff. are in here. Show and Yo, yeah. Two talented young guys for sure. There's a lot of talented guys in this. I gotta say, I really enjoyed this rumble, um, with one uh, notable exception, um, but we can talk about that at the end because that's when it happened. So okay. What do you want to so talk about this match? Yeah, I think your notable exception will be one um, that it seems like everyone has. Mm. And it's, and I have a weird experience with this, and I'm going to try to put some nuance on it, but I don't think we'll disagree on what the disappointment was. But okay. we'll get there. We'll see what happens. But you know what? There was also a women's match before this. I just want to shout out. Oh, um, was that aired somewhere? Was that on Honor Club? I, don't, I guess so. I turned it on at what I thought was the start of the show. And that match was ending as I as I turned on, so I don't know oh, what time okay. I was supposed to turn this show on. Huh? I, I, I wouldn't mind watching that because I knew some people in it, but it wasn't yeah. on the broadcast I watched. So, oh, oh well. I don't understand it because I thought I turned on at the time the show started, and I was at the end of a like an end of a match is going on. So yeah, I don't know. There was a weird. There was like a dark match, but then a pre-show match, and then part of it was like live streamed, and yeah, I, who knows what happened there? And then you got like you said, a fucking Royal Rumble as a pre-game show. So. <laughs> That's cool. I liked yeah. it. I was done. That's all right. Yep. You know, we're going, everything was shit. Everything was shit. Everything was shit. So that's, you know, we're going to sit, we're going to look at things and we're going to, we're going to talk about everything that happened. You got a Royal Rumble for a pregame show and that's all right. Is that all right or no? You know, so it's not nothing, not nothing. Cole Cabana's up to his shenanigans. <laughs> I marked big time, of course, for Jushin fucking Liger, who is yes. just, man, my favorite wrestler. He was my introduction to Japan. Um, I think this is his last year, he said. Yeah. So I'm glad to see him get that chance to wrestle in MSG. I don't know if he has before or not, but uh, he has now, and that's very cool. I had a weird moment. It made no sense to even me where I said, Jushin Liger should have had a promo with the, uh, a program with The Undertaker. That would have been cool. Jushin Liger should have had a program with everybody, but yeah, Undertaker, that would have been cool. They're both... Uh, they're both uh, such strange characters, but with yeah. such incredible longevity. And man, no, I would have loved it. It would have been great. Liger has a power to him that is otherworldly. Mm. Like everything about him, he's a good wrestler, of course. Good look, of course. But there's some kind of fucking force that is with this man. And Undertaker has a fucking force built into his gimmick. And it's cool because he made it work, but it was built into his gimmick. But Liger sometimes just walks around and I'm like... I can't even count the years. I don't know. Is he is he 107 years old? And maybe he's gained a little bit of weight, but he still looks like the same fucking Liger. He's just yeah. a. He is just. He's outside of what I've ever known. 
And man, to see him in here, see Great Muda in here, to see the king, and this is not one where I'm going, and this is actual respect, sir, but Haku is in there. My man Ming is in there. Yes. So, guys I recognize from uh, some of the Convince Me segments, all the way to guys I recognize from when back when I watched wrestling, to some guys that were in Lucha Underground, to some so on and so forth. This is such a variety. Um, Kenny King. I say everybody's disappointed and maybe fairly, but I was a Kenny King fan when I watched TNA, and I forgot that he existed. And then I saw him come in number one. I was like, oh, yeah, I like Kenny King. And then they, they said, Kenny King wanted to come in first because he wants to go um, from start to finish. And then I said, wait, Kenny King's going to win this thing, huh? <laughs> you know, so, here's where you and I will have a different experience because uh, I'm very wary of New Japan okay. English commentary, um, particularly Don Callis, who turns out did not call this show. So maybe uh, I avoided it for no reason. But I actually did listen with the Japanese commentary. So you may have some different uh Bits of information that I didn't pick up on. So throughout the night, it's like that? Yeah, I watched the whole thing with Japanese. Com- I love Japanese commentary. Man, the energy on that commentary is great, and I can never get annoyed by what they say because I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> I just feel excited. It's great. You know, it's it's less uh, yeah. distracting. It keeps me up with higher energy. Um, yeah, I don't You're know. I'm just very wary of English commentary in general in uh, 2019. So Okay. Um. But yeah, uh, not for nothing. I also um, do not dislike Kenny King. I did like him as well back when we were covering, uh, what was it, like in 2014, something like that. So yeah, well, five perfect. years later, everyone's forgotten that Kenny King exists, except Ring of Honor, I guess. And man, I don't know. You'd have to be a pretty big Kenny King fan to look at everyone in this match and say, yeah, Kenny King was the guy to win. So that was that was strange to me. Sure, sure. If it was WWE, though, we'd celebrate it, but... That's a I wouldn't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, boy. Yeah. I think the big problem right here is fucking cheeseburger. I don't have a problem with cheeseburger, but you can tell me if you want. Because he came in number three, and he was... Like, you're building up this angle where Kenny King wants to come in number one and run the whole fucking rumble. Right. And Cheeseburger's number three, and he's there the whole time, too. So, like, King King does nothing impressive during it, and I guess it, the thing is he endured it. But then, like, everyone else from the beginning did, too. So I'm just saying from that – from the storyline of we're putting Kenny King over in this, I didn't see Kenny King get put over in any way except for the very end. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a big example of uh, tell not show because I was not told, and it did not mm. show at all because I got zero sense of that. From the match itself. Um, that is so intriguing. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, uh, there was a lot of... They could have made the eliminations a little speedier here, I thought. Because yeah, there was I a agree. lot of people. Just about everyone, it seemed, came in for like 20 minutes at least. So, sometimes you need guys who are getting thrown out, clear out the ring a little bit. Could have been done a little better. I agree. Yeah, and you know... I will say there was a point in the middle of this, and this is just again we're we're spray painting all the truths up here, and they don't all you know naturally go together. But I wrote halfway through this, shows like this may actually make WWE look better. Oh, because <laughs> I mean, I recognize the format. Like here's some comedy, then here's some wrestling, then here's some more comedy. So it's it's lesser known guys, and sometimes less impressive guys. I'll be honest, at times less impressive than WWE's rich oh, yeah. talent. I got to say. Some of these guys, yeah, I had never heard of them, and the reason is because they are not people, you know, they don't yet exist in the world of wrestling, you know, so this is a, 
I don't agree with all of the talking points against Ring of Honor coming out of this show, but yeah. if you want to just like compare the rosters, it's really clear that Ring of Honor is like far, far shallower than what New Japan has to offer because they were throwing schmucks here who, you know, they, they, I, I don't even know these people, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. What is LSG? What's Shaheem Ali? <laughs> Who is Will Ferrara and why should I care about him? What's a Rhett Titus? You know, mm. a few of these names I know, some I don't. But yeah, I don't know. Just uh, definitely a weak field for Ring of Honor here. I have, and I'm being honest, I've never watched Ring of Honor for more than a show at a time. They have never once in the existence of the company. And I wasn't watching back in the day, so I can't say with CM Punk and uh, Brian Danielson and all right, that, but... right. Samoa Joe, but in the time that I have started back watching wrestling, and I've never wanted like one thing Ring of Honor has never been able to do is make me want to tune in the next week. That's not true. Remember Kevin Steen and Jim Cornette, and they were doing a thing for a while. You know, I don't know if that was in real time or not, though. Oh well, fair enough. Yeah, okay. That's that's just the only time I can remember. Yeah, you being uh, excited about Ring of Honor in a a bigger way. I think that's when I was trying to find something to cover for columns. Which <laughs> is a little, yeah. it's a little gimmick. It's a little gimmicked, you know, trying to make something. But that's a fair point. But again, there's character to that. And I would gladly welcome Mr. Steen back to the non-WWE world anytime he's ready. Sure. Malone is getting dumped by Liger. That was fucking nice. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Liger's um, got the base to do it. That man is that man, that man is a little tree trunk. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, Jushin Liger, man, like 30-plus years of just being incredible. Just one of the most amazing careers ever. Um, now, on the other side, yeah, here's what, one thing that did annoy me. I guess there were a couple things that annoyed me. I, I was uh, too optimistic. The two friggin' lame-ass guys from the kingdom who I believe are called TKO Ryan and Vinny something. I don't know. I can't keep track. They're in here, and they're throwing out, like, everybody I like, and I, like, couldn't pick them out of a crowd if my life depended on it. But here they are just, like, throwing guys out left and right in, like, the final four, you know. So Ring of Honor, yeah, okay, Here, here's where it's maybe valid. Get your crap together. If you're going to have two of your guys in here, Make them two guys that maybe I could possibly remember tomorrow, you know, maybe some two guys that I could maybe form some memory of. Um, so, yeah, Ring that, of Honor. that was a bit of a complaint. They have a thing for guys that look like they don't bathe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't disagree with you. Shout out to the Briscoes. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the real thing. Ring of Honor had plenty of guys in here that I liked, you know, uh, that I recognized. You know, I like Brian Malonis. I like some of these bigger guys like Tracy Williams. Like I said, uh, Jonathan Gresham, very talented uh, young guy, I think, very technical. Um, And, uh, you know, even guys like Cole Cabana, who got, like, one of the biggest reactions here. You got all these guys, and then, yeah, at the end, who do you got? You got Kenny King and these two guys from the kingdom that nobody even knows their names. So, like, what what are you doing? You know, I don't get it. Yeah, it's also, I think a lot of people wouldn't be paying attention to Kenny King, but because I don't watch this and I'm like, oh, I forgot that guy exists and I liked him. Like, I didn't see, I was like, we had like four people, and I was like, Kenny King did not get eliminated. So, <laughs> you know, so they, they didn't get me on that one. Because, Good for you for noticing, because yeah, I even have in my notes, Muda and Lager are the final two. That's so cool. And then my next one is, oh crap, Kenny King is still here. Yeah. So, and so let, let's talk about it. <laughs> 
It's a letdown. I don't know. Yeah. What's your thought on it? It's a massive letdown. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I'm really trying to say here. Because Kenny King, you know, like I'll say it again. I, I don't dislike Kenny King. I've liked him at times. But in the five years since we covered him on this show, I've heard nothing about him. No hype. No, like, matches, no promos that caught people's interest. And I do hear things about Ring of Honor uh, now and again. No hype so it's in not this like they're completely in this black hole. But Kenny King, I don't know. I don't get it at all. He did nothing in the Rumble to impress, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, here's, and it's worse. I can speak to this maybe better than anybody in the fucking world because of the weird experience I had. Because I came in... When I saw Kenny King, I was like, oh, and he's coming in first. I wanted Kenny King to win. I want, like, I wanted to see him be impressive and win. So my first guy I was watching for the whole match was Kenny King. And then by the time it's over, I'm still, like, I went from I want this guy to win on page one of my notes to the bottom of page two, a big frowning emoji uh, drawn and a boo. And a, um, so, but at the same time, this is good and bad. This is still Ring of Honor's Royal, like Royal Rumble at the end of the day. You know, the winner yeah. gets a shot at the Ring of Honor title. Yeah, and so, um, so I don't know. If you're excited about Kenny King getting that shot, then I guess more power to you. But I don't no, get it. There's like the point, 20 guys the in here make, that could have gotten it better than Kenny King to me. I agree with that. But the point I want to make is if you're so fucking disappointed because Liger and Muda were at the end. This is also the people who gave you Liger and Muda at the end. So you have to at least acknowledge that the thing that you liked that they did not go with was also a thing that they created. I suppose, but uh, I don't know. That's a slippery slope because, you know, oh, I gave you a good thing once and I slapped you in the face. So why don't you appreciate the good thing? You know, so I don't know. It's a little uh, iffy. I definitely get what you're saying, though. It was a super cool moment to have Muda and Liger facing off in the garden and all that cool stuff. Um, so we'll always have that. I guess. Um, this is another case where actually maybe it helped me not to hear the commentary because uh, I didn't know this was their shot at any title. I thought this was just like, mm. win a cool rumble in Madison Square Garden, which was like 20 for me. So I'm in here thinking, yeah, super cool. If like Liger or Muda gets yeah. that win, gets that honor, like kind of at the end of their career. And then uh, Kenny King, you know, so, yeah. It was definitely, you could feel the deflate in the building. But at the same time, I just don't understand why I feel like if anywhere else, the last two people were Liger, Liger and Muda, the critique would be these broken down bodies of 50-year-old men, and they're going to give one of them the rumble and the shot at the belt with all these young stars. <laughs> but not now. I don't know. There's an anti, uh, yeah, old-timer thing. Uh, and not without reason. It's because it's been so grotesquely abused by WWE in the past yeah. several years. Um, but, uh, again, when this was just kind of, when I thought it was like just for the honor yeah. of like the win, it made a lot more sense for one of those guys to win. I agree. I with guess that. with the title shot being on the line. But still, like, so many different guys I would have gone with. Uh, even if you have to pick from the Ring of Honor crowd, there's like at least five guys who would have been better suited for the spot, in my opinion. No, I think the smart move would be, like you said, not have the ring be so congested, have people get eliminated. You can have a spot that is not the last two people where it's Liger and Muda in the ring together. Absolutely. And that's still, yeah. yeah, that's, that's where I would go. Yeah. It's too much to have them at the end because then – with all the nostalgia, and there's, there's probably a lot of people my age that feel like I do that would watch a show like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you got people who 
I didn't I didn't turn this on to Sea Liger or Muda, but if you give me those two at the end, you know, yeah. that there's my like eight year old child self that is, you know that's like, okay, if you want to give me this as the last two guys, I can I can go there with you. Sure. So, and I'll I think just that's mm-hmm. yeah. right. I'll just say I love that they gave us this and I want to acknowledge them for doing it. I just think it should have been earlier in the rumble. Yeah, could have been paced out better. Um I'll just say one last thing. I'm pretty sure ninety five percent at least of people who wanted to watch this show did not give a fuck about who would get the next Ring of Honor title shot because yeah. they're not going to watch the next Ring of Honor show. Yeah. You're not. I'm not. None of us are, really, you know, because Ring of Honor is a cold, cold product on its own terms. Yeah. Um, it's so, yeah, why too. even tack that on? You know, just make it a cool rumble. I don't know. I think that would have been more fun. I'll bring it up in my hot take later when I up in the world, but okay. uh, we have, we've had our first TV taping, and, man... Well, it's embarrassing. Or I don't even know what happened, so you're going to have to clue me in on that. Ring of Honor it's, is so far off my radar that I don't really have a clue. So. It's not even a grotesque thing. It's just an embarrassing, we're not ready for primetime thing, so we'll get to that. <laughs> they got a few of those on this show alone that we yeah. haven't even started to talk about. So, all right. Cool. Uh, we moved that into the first official match of the night. It is a title versus title match. The IWGP Never Openweight Championship. And the ROH, uh, what, TV championship, I believe. It is uh, Jeff Cobb, formerly known as Matanza of Lucha Underground, a veteran of MLW. We've seen him around taking on Will Ospreay, um, who's uh, been big in the UK scene, of course, gone over to New Japan, gotten a lot of acclaim over there. Uh, This is a match that a lot of people really, really enjoyed. Um, I was not as high on it as some others, but you definitely got to recognize there was some cool stuff in this match. I figured because I remember one thing, and that's you are not a Will Ospreay fan. <laughs> I used to be a lot more. When I first started seeing him, I was like, wow, this guy's the best athlete I ever saw, maybe. Like, he's really, he can do mm-hmm. things in the ring that other people can't do. But I don't know, it's sort of worn thin for me over time. So I now kind of look at him as more of like a young bug, Shane Strickland, like, why do offense Ooh. when you can flip? kind of guy um so i don't know maybe i'll come back around on him at some point um but yeah i've sort of worn thin on him i don't know like it sounds like you enjoyed this a lot though so i want to hear your take on it i am high as fuck on this match oh okay awesome and cool you got me again this is like the 17th time that i've seen jeff cobb and did not know who he was <laughs> All right. Well, maybe this time it'll stick. <laughs> I did not. If it doesn't stick this time, I might have to just step down and get some help <laughs> because it's not okay. Dude. I have a bad memory, but this is not okay. So I maybe thought I was not gonna like this match because I enjoyed Will Osprey the one time I watched him, but I had it in the back of my mind the Miz fans' critique, and then I'm like. I was going to do a whole thing where I'm talking about Jeff Cobb, and I accidentally called him Jeff Slob, and I didn't mean to do that because he's just some out-of-shape dude who's starting the show. But you know what? He's also from – I turned out I liked him. You know why? Because he's talented, and he was talented in Lucha Underground. So – I got to say, weird um, – I've never seen him look quite like this, so I don't know uh, what was going on. If he just had gear that was, like, very unflattering or something. Because, yeah. yeah, he looked very weird, like, not like I've seen him before, so – I don't know what was up with that, but physically he was still doing all the cool stuff that we know he can do. So props to him for that. Yeah, not knowing these people, and this is the first match. I was like, poor man Samoa Joe versus Will Ospreay, you know, over and over again. I'm not gonna like this. Give me a break. But then it hit everything that I like, especially when it comes down to these styles, different sizes, different approaches, 
different psychologies, different paces. Mm. I like the moniker Ariel Assassin. I like uh, the coat he was wearing, and then I underlined I might like Will Ospreay. I'm not on the record, but he's two for two right now. These guys kicked off Wrestle Kingdom 13, and the announcers say, we don't pretend like these guys have never been anywhere before. So, interesting <laughs> comment. And then I wrote down, I don't know how this happens or when it happens. It all felt sense. But I wrote down, big feel. It has a big feel to it. And when that happens, it's hard to lose me. So I felt like these guys were coming out to do that first match the way a first match should be done. You got that long British Bulldog held suplex off the top, off the second, the superplex mm. by Cobb that was impressive. You got so much hang time. I am going to make a point today that's right or wrong. I don't care. It is now. I'm digging down and it's starting to be a narrative in my life. And that is that maybe I don't dislike some of the high flying. It's just that maybe most of the people are not that talented. <laughs> because I watch Will Ospreay and I watch Ibushi and I watch Okada and these guys have such grace and such snap, and such beauty in all that they do, such hang time. And they're doing a lot of stuff that the others do, except for they're doing it well. So now I'm wondering, is it the style that I dislike, or is it just the fact that everybody under five foot five can do it and does it, and they're not that good? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that I saw people on this show who were doing some of this stuff, but they were entertaining, and part of it is the style and the pace. They don't do it all the fucking time. But things I loved, we get an open hand slap by Osprey, and in response, Cobb just picks him up and throws him. It's like, get <laughs> out of here with that bullshit. You're not going to stand next to me and do that. And then again, Osprey bigs up, big up, bigs, bigs up, big up, Osprey. I don't even know how to say this, but he gets in the face. Of Cobb and Cobb just pops him in the mouth and knocks him on the mat. These guys know who they are. They're staying in their lanes. They're getting out of their. They're getting out of pocket, but they're paying a price when they do. Good psychology there. And then again, with just the smartness to me of the match, Cobb sends Osprey off the ropes. He's gonna catch him with that Lex Luger Ron Simmons power slam. Um, Osprey grabs the ropes so that he does not come off the ropes, and you've got Cobb standing in the middle of the ring holding his arms out for a power slam. Not, oh, let me adjust without even doing it because I know you're going to hold the ropes because this is a little dance that we're doing together. He has his fucking arms because he's already in power slam mode. I like that. There's a this is awesome chant that comes shortly after. There's a missile drop kick so well placed that it hits the injured shoulder and the side of the face of my man Cobb because that man Osprey when he gets up there Miz fan he does it with grace and beauty and 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 on point and maybe I won't like him 48 matches from now but I'm gonna tell you something I'm connecting with early Miz fan who was seeing Osprey early because I am impressed hey that's very cool you know I that that does reflect some of uh some thoughts that I can remember having once upon a time so maybe <laughs> time will change things maybe it won't Maybe you'll bring me to back around to appreciate the guy more. I don't know. We'll see. There definitely was a time that I was very high on Will Ospreay, so maybe he'll come back around. Um, yeah, but to me, Jeff Cobb, I thought, was the star of this match because to me, Will Ospreay, you know, 
uh, he's trying to look all intense in the face of Jeff Cobb, and I'm just sitting here thinking Jeff Cobb's going to just smash this guy into a stain on the mat, you know, if it comes to it. And uh, and you know what? He kind of did because uh, he gets the win in this match, and uh, I think that's very cool. I think Jeff Cobb is a good fit for New Japan. I think he's a fresh kind of guy who can have a lot of really, really intriguing matches with guys over there. So I hope it is the start of him uh, getting a higher profile, even more than he has already had. And uh, yeah, to the fans of Will Ospreay, you know, clearly the match went over very well. So you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I cannot, I can never say a bad thing about Cobb. For me to enjoy this man in Lucha Underground, then not know who he is and not like his um, look and not want to see him wrestle, and he impresses me just as much as he did in Lucha Underground without me knowing he's from Lucha Underground. There's no way but to say he's he's fucking good at what he does. And I will just say I wrote down they are hustling for it. Nice pace, nice anticipation, nice mix, and to me is a hell of a hell of a start. Uh, props to both men, but yeah, Cobb coming out, you know, he got the big win to kick out the big show in the big building, and that's not nothing. Ah, that's that's a lot, you know. That's uh, it, it couldn't happen to a better guy, you know, honestly, with Jeff Cobb, because uh, just, just kills it everywhere he goes, and uh, really, I've never hardly seen him taking a bad step, um, so I gotta give huge credit to Cobb, apparently a great guy as well, and I know we don't want to be Jebby wrestlers necessarily for who they are in real life, but man, I don't know. It's just nice, you know, when you hear a guy is uh, also like a really good guy on top of everything else. So yeah. hopefully that is definitely the case, and hopefully good things continue to happen to this man. It's also nice when someone's good at their job. <laughs> <laughs> it helps a lot. It does. And he, you know? he, is, he is fucking good at his job. Oh, so good, yeah. Great credentials, like Olympic level, just just one of the yeah. strongest guys ever that I've seen, but also like so agile. I don't know. I got a huge appreciation for a big guy who can move. Not every big guy has to be able to, you know, do a backflip and everything. Man, when they can, it's cool. You know, it's just damn yeah. cool. So. And I, I didn't have this written down, but you know, they mentioned I think Kurt Angle in whatever year the last time Madison Square Garden was kicked off by an Olympic. Um, <laughs> That's nice. It's a nice connection. Very cool. All right. We move on to our next uh, official match of the night. Two guys that I am a big fan of. One is Dalton Castle. Uh, The other is Rush, who is uh, a very big star in Mexico. Now kind of making into um, America, into Ring of Honor. Uh, This match, um, it's weird because I was hoping it would be one thing, and I was really looking forward to it. And it turned out to be something totally different, but I still actually loved it. So sort of a weird situation, but uh, I don't know. I like both of these guys. This took me by surprise, but I think there's a lot that you can build off of a, a match like this. I love this so much I could almost shoot through the fucking roof of my apartment. <laughs> That's incredible. And I, I see nothing but bad-mouthing for this. Oh, What? I haven't seen that. Shame on anybody who is down on that. I've seen so much complaints. Like, my so-and-so, I, and I, and here's one thing I, I'm going to try my best not to do. Sir Sam, who listens to our show, and we all we don't always have the same opinions, but I like him a lot. But if I say I anything that's bashing your column, sir, it is not meant to. This is actually a compliment because <laughs> I would not read anybody. I got so pissed at the Internet for everyone having the same opinions and not even having to explain them that I would read nobody's columns. Then I read Sir Sam because I respect him enough that, you know, I was like, if I'm going to listen, if I'm going to hear anybody out, 
And he kind of just he kind of just says all the stuff is bad in a paragraph and gives a little bit of reason, but not a lot. But if I do say anything, it's not meant intentionally, my friend. It's respect to you that I actually read uh, what you wrote, but there was a lot. There was a lot of my so and so, my partner only would watch Dalton Castle, and she turned in, she tuned in for Dalton Castle, and then we get this or Dalton Castle used to be, you know, do you know they're doing a storyline? Do you know? How rich this is! This is where I'm at with you, Internet with the capital I. <laughs> I wrote down at the end of this, pay attention AEW, because this is exactly what I asked to happen to Cody Rhodes at Double or Nothing, just to get fucking destroyed. Because I've never been a Dalton Castle fan. Like I get what he's about, but like I was like, ah, eh, you know. I, the only time I watched him, I was there to watch Cody Rhodes and his crew. I was like, Dalton Castle, get out of the way. I'm not here for you. <laughs> but to watch this, you are putting over one guy in a way that makes a hell of a statement. And to watch another man have a fucking nervous breakdown because this stage matters so much and wrestling matters so much and his gimmick and his legacy, and his name matters so much. And the shame of losing like he did. One fucking feather or whatever it was being in the ring. One bit of looking the other way. And someone hungrier did their business and shamed you and beat you. And I could feel it before he did it. I was like, this guy is about. This is about to get so ugly. And it did. And all that I got out of this segment is that everything about this show and everything about their careers and everything about being in Madison Square Garden, it matters so much. And someone just got made, and then someone else is going to get broken before he comes back. <laughs> um, I like that take a lot. I will say uh, two things. One, yes, absolutely love Sir Sam, one of my favorite, favorite love people him. out there. Uh, don't always agree with his takes, but uh, that's okay. That's what life is all about yeah. sometimes. Um, the only thing I'll say in defense of people speaking out against this match is you're doing an angle for an audience um, that probably will not see any other part of that angle. You know, again, you will not see it. I will not see it. Um, it's not going to happen. We're not following Ring of Honor. That said, you can't fault Ring of Honor, I think, for trying to draw people in with a match like this, because maybe you'll persuade a few people to be like, oh, wow, I wanted to see them have a full match, but it didn't happen. And instead, we got like this big uh, kind of character moment, but I'm sure they're going to have a match in the future. Or, you know, what will happen with Don Castle? What will happen with Rush? Will he go to the title now? So, you know, um, a big downfall of uh, the Vince Russoing of wrestling is leaving people with nothing but questions that never get answered. But at the same time, by the same token, like on the other side of it, if you leave people with no questions, they will not come back and ask you the next time, you know, because they already have all their answers. So there is something to be said for an angle like this. Um, I thought it was very effective. I enjoyed it as well, even though I was really looking forward to the match. I do like Dalton Castle a lot. I like Rush a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, they did what they did. I thought it was very effective. And on top of everything, I heard Don Castle, you know, maybe dealing with some injury stuff. So he may not have been up for the big classic match he thought he was going to have anyway. So be aware of context. Be aware of long-term uh, possibilities. 
and just, you know, uh, try, try to appreciate it for what it is, you know? And uh, that's not a line I always take, but I think sometimes it's appropriate. And here it worked for me. And this is where we are in different places. I will never. It is not Ring of Honor's job to book their show as if nobody's ever going to watch them again. <laughs> if that's the case, don't even book the fucking show. So no to that for me. No to that. And number two, there's a long way. We have a big fucking continuum between Vince Russo booking and booking with questions and to be continued. Right, right. Ring of Honor, had a, you can't touch Ring of Honor's, or excuse me, New Japan's wrestling on some of these matches, but... There are fans like me, I will say openly to you, you're not going to make me watch five-hour shows where people do nothing but wrestle and there's no storyline and no build and no nothing coming out of it. I'm never fucking going to do it. Right. So the big critique is Ring of New Japan was perfect. I'm not exaggerating. This is New Japan was perfect. Ring of Honor was shit. They need to, you know, That's break away. <laughs> but at the same time, there are some of us I could not watch. I'm not going to watch... Even Okada, my God, I the drop kick to, that he does, it's you know, drop kick. it's like watching good fuck, like listening to like the best song ever and just getting like into it, like it's it's beautiful, it's got flow, experience. But I'm not gonna watch people wrestle for five and a half hours with no storyline before or after just match. I'm not gonna do it. If I'm gonna continue, the stories have to continue. This is not, this is not uh, South Park pre-season whatever 20 something or 19 it's not Seinfeld I'm not going to turn on the TV next week and pretend like I don't know what the characters did last week yeah, yeah. we're all building our lives are happening there's trajectory to this shit we would why would we ever have oh he's a two-time world champion because something happened before and something now something's happening after and it all matters it's all got story it's all got story to it I don't want to have to explain these things I want you to understand I want, I want the wrestling world to understand the story is part of it. I need that. I can't explain it. It can't just be wrestling matches. Okay. And also, do what? Okay, we we needed. Were we hurting for another twenty minute match? That, is that yeah, what? I was just about to say. Like this show was long enough. It, it's really okay to have a, a short match here. So yeah, I yeah, uh, I am uh, with you on this match. Um, uh, this, I think this is going to be the most exciting nervous breakdown I've ever had. <laughs> I can tell we're only two matches into the proper show, and we got a lot, we got a lot of emotions going on on this card, on this, uh, on this show today. So, um, one person who may be feeling emotional is Deuce Robinson, mm. who has been attacked backstage mysteriously. Was meant to be wrestling Bully Ray as a, a opponent for his open challenge. Now, maybe. Not going to happen. So who could take that spot? What's going to happen with Juice? We don't know. We got questions. We got stories. They're they're moving along. Oh my! Uh, I will say, yeah. I liked how I liked how this was handled in the booth. Uh, first, they're using their cell phones to try to get information, and uh, I think it was what's his name, your man from the Royal Rumble, Cole Cabana. Yeah, Cole Cabana said something like, "Oh, I'm allowed to use my phone now because I guess usually you know." They're not, but then Kevin Kelly leaves the fucking booth because they're so concerned about a man getting attacked in the back. He's trying to find out what's happening, so he leaves the booth to go back there to see if he can get any information. Uh, a reaction as serious as when the giant fell off the roof. Uh, yes. So, so we know that it's serious right now. 
Oh my. Uh, we get, this is one of the match, matches I'm most uh, interested to talk about because the narrative around this match and what I saw are very different. Uh, the match is Kelly Klein taking on Mayu Iwatani for the uh, Ring of Honor Women's Championship uh, division that they've kind of brought around uh, recently, um, which is cool. I, I'm all about that. Um, here's what's weird to me. I have seen this match slandered maybe more than any other on the card. And basically it just seems people hate Kelly Klein because she's so boring and she made such a bad match with a great wrestler and all this stuff. And man, I don't get it. Like, I feel like I'm watching a different match because I enjoyed this match. Uh, I liked Kelly Klein. I thought she did a good job. I uh, really liked how she's in there just like kicking the legs out from under Mayu and throwing her around, dumping her on her head at times. I'm a fan of Mayu Iwatani. Um, very small person, can ragdoll around easily, but also hit some cool offense for her part. It's not the greatest match I ever saw, but I really like this match. So I don't know. Uh, I, just because it had the Ring of Honor tag on it or something, people were down on it. Maybe <sighs> just had really different taste than I do. I don't know. I enjoyed this match. Maybe you didn't, maybe you did. I have no idea, but I had a good time with this, so I'm going to stand by it. Oh, my God. Okay, so when you said what you said at the beginning, I thought you were going to say that the match was hyped more than you could go with. So I was already trying to figure out my argument. (laughs) Like, it couldn't even enter my brain that the scenario was that people were critiquing this match as a bad match. So... It's I. It's a combination, probably, of the narrative is that everything that was Ring of Honor was shit, and the New Japan again needs to separate themselves because they're being embarrassed by being with Ring of Honor. And again, we'll get to this. We'll get to this twice, and I think we'll disagree at times, and that will be okay. Mm. But you know, the two big. We know what the biggest thing that pissed everybody off was, and we'll get to that later. Um, it's an outsider invasion, and we'll get to that. But. This one is almost similar, like the beautiful people. <laughs> I was uh, even going to touch on that. But yeah, uh, Madison, or no, not Madison Rain. Funny enough, the story is Madison Rain is the one who pitched this angle and then left the company before it happens. So mm. that, that's kind of a ridiculous moment in and of itself. But yeah, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky coming out after the match. And I got to admit, I kind of fast forwarded through that because I was not interested in them in TNA. They feel like a bad fit for Ring of Honor. Um, so yeah, I was not too impressed with that, but the match itself. Yeah. I don't know. I had a very good time with that. I don't know what other people were seeing to be honest. I haven't seen those critiques specifically for this match, but well, thank God. Cause my timeline is flooded with them. Maybe I'm just following the wrong people or something. Mayu is, I like Mayu a lot. Number one. I really like Mayu. Yeah. She's you, super talented. She's super alert too. Like she, yeah. she, I don't know what her gimmick is because I haven't watched her more than once. But one time she poses and the crowd pops big and it looked like a legit smile. Like oh my god, wow. You yeah, know, yeah. Oh man. And she's not the wrestler, so calm down, imaginary person that I'm talking to. <laughs> not Bret Hart, the wrestler, but like I got vibes at the time. Like Bret Hart, one thing I liked about him, he was always paying attention. Like he seemed alert and alive at all yeah. times to the uh-huh. details. And there was a couple of times that she was just. Paying attention to little details that made me happy. I weirdly made a comparison between um, uh, Klein and Terry Bam Bam Gordy at one point. Uh, I like it. Because like she's, she's just running her the fuck over with clotheslines or lariats and, you know, just putting a beating on her. Yes. But what do, you, what do you want? I don't know what you want because 
Maybe you think uh, Klein is boring and so, that's your prerogative. But as far as the wrestling, I knew what both of them were about. I watched them try to best execute as they were while trying to overcome a style very different than them. Mm. I have no, pro- I had no problems with this match. I like this match. I was not disappointed. My disappointment came later than it, than everyone else because it comes after several things that just put everyone into like a pissy. I cannot, I cannot recover from this moment. But I was not, I wasn't disappointed until the would be rapper came out and all that shit happened. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, the match itself, I, I, I liked it a lot. I'm glad you did as well, because it makes me feel like I'm not going crazy, because I I don't know, I've just seen so many people dumping on this match, dumping on Kelly Klein. I thought the match was good. I thought she did a good job. So I guess just really different taste than some other people out there. Um, yeah, wasn't really a fan of the beautiful people coming out. And then, yeah, I mean, if you want to jump to that, yeah. New Japan slash Ring of Honor, both companies that are based you know, for better or worse, primarily I'm like, we're wrestling, we're a sport, you know, we're going to be like more, more dedicated to this aspect. And then you pull the most WWE move of all time and you have, uh, you know, some singer, rapper, I don't even know who Mega Ran is. I don't fucking care who so, he is. Yeah, you have him come out and he's going to do a performance and man, like, I don't get it. Like, how off-brand can you possibly be? And like, not... Not in a good way. Now, oh, they're trying something new. It's like, oh, no, they're adopting the thing that everyone fucking hates uh, when another company does it, and they're doing it here. And why the hell is this happening? So I don't get it. I don't know why it happened. I'm going to go ahead and say a point that we'll get to, but uh, if you don't like the beautiful people, that's fair. You know, you don't get to say, to me at least, that they didn't make any noise in TNA because that's not actually true. I was watching it at the time, and they did, so yeah, I don't sure. think that. At one point, they did, for sure. But what I will say is this. If you're going to critique the beautiful people for being so gimmicky and Ring of Honor is not, and you're going to critique the, oh, they just they had that work shoot, and that just shames what Ring of Honor is about, if you're going to make these arguments on that basis, you better fucking watch Ring of Honor every week. And you do it because it's always so sporty and the characters. Like if you don't support them <laughs> weekly and you're making those arguments, you're a piece of shit. So just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'd make those arguments exactly. Um, so I'm just saying that. If, but if you're not allowed to try things that might attract a bigger audience, to me, that's okay. Like if I'm watching it weekly, and it's like, okay, I, I watch you guys because you're this, and now you're not being that. Then I legitimately feel betrayed. I have nowhere to go. But if I'm not watching you, but I also require that you stay the same, that's weird to me. Like what what claim do you have on a company that you're not investing in? That's an interesting point. I'm processing that now because I agree to a certain extent, but also I don't know. I, there's a question of knowing your potential audience, I think. And I think uh, no matter what you want to say about, oh, well, at least like they were trying some stuff, it doesn't seem like it went over very well with anybody. Like, I haven't really seen anybody speaking positively about this. And I will say for the beautiful people, yeah, they were definitely like an act uh, with some uh, definite interest uh, when they first came around. But that was what, like 2009, 2008, yeah. maybe? I mean, that, that was a very long time ago. They've had multiple runs since then in TNA and other places and really, you know, have created no interest, no buzz. You bring them out here, nobody's really interested in them, you know? It's less about, like, the fact that they're gimmicky, which I don't really mind at all, and more about the fact that they're a very cold act that people are not 
looking to see come back. Uh, they're not an act that are really going to be able to probably like put on really notable matches or like really interesting segments or anything. That's a good argument, that, though. Yeah, that that's my critique more so because I really don't have a problem with them bringing in more gimmicky people. I mean, this is a promotion that has like Dalton Castle, you know, yeah. who is like so over the top and gimmicky, and it's great. And people uh, generally like it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it just seemed like a bad fit, and not. Not maybe for the reasons that, that some have said. If you've seen that out there, I, I don't necessarily to. agree with that. But I think there is a valid critique to make. But they're also – they were not the center of that angle either. But I haven't seen people make that point. You know, The center of the angle was the – I don't know who she is because I don't watch this stuff. But she was in the booth, and she came into the booth to kind of speak on the women's match. And she looks like she takes the center stage in that. So That's a good point. Again, yeah. yeah, so – and again, I'm not necessarily. I'm not saying I even wanted to see the beautiful people, but just just address everything. Like it's these blanket statements, like "Oh, this is horrible because of X, Y, and Z." And again, whether they can do something or not at this moment, and it could change. They could betray her next week, and then it's about them. But right now, front and center is a talent who is not Velvet Sky or Angelina Love. Fair enough. Um, I think it's telling, though, to some extent that. That was, like, the presentation, maybe especially, like, verbally, maybe they put that over, but just watching, um, and I'll admit, I only kind of halfway watched uh, what happened after the match, because I sort of tuned out a little bit when the beautiful people showed up, but uh, it didn't, it seemed like a lot of, like, the focus was on, oh, the beautiful people are here, or whatever they call them, you know, so, I don't know, maybe it's a question of presentation, I don't know, um, but uh, uh, it's sort of a moot point, Um and I don't know if I want to keep going over it. So I definitely take your point that people are probably overly critical as a knee-jerk here. Um, and uh, if you're willing to see where it goes, then it might uh, be better than you think it would be. I just don't understand. Like, I, we, this is, we can move out of that segment, but the whole show feels like the critique is Ring of Honor needs not do anything that Ring of Honor doesn't do. Which means <laughs> Ring of Honor will forever be... And I get it because TNA a lot of times, like that's the way they they hurt me to deep extremes is that it's it's a, it's a double edged sword because when people take a chance and you like it, it's like thank God look at this company. Mm-hmm. But then when they turn around and take another chance, like bring in Christian Cage and make him world champion, I became a wrestling fan for the first time in like seven eight nine years, and then bring in Kurt Angle and make him the guy, and then I lost everything I had. So. <laughs> you know, it's all it is complicated on every side. So I'll, it is tough, and it's going to affect everyone differently. I think, yes. yeah, part of it is just knowing your audience, like the audience you have, and also the potential audience that you might have. Like, who is going to potentially react well to this? Who is not going to react well? Um, and I do think, yeah, for the big chance that they took on this show, uh, like the the reaction is very predictable. I think that people were not into this, so maybe you can just say they kind of took some chances that probably were not smart um so i will not say that you would not say that you I, I will say that if, if it comes out that ring of honor has lost their fan base and their ratings dropped then i will say that <laughs> i mean their ratings are already very low i think so but then who are these so these loudmouth fucks on the internet being pissy <laughs> about it like does that mean that they messed up because if we're saying that they're not going to lose the audience then why was it a bad move uh, I think it could make people less likely to want to give them a chance. Like, this was a big platform for them. They could have potentially 
put something out there that would make people say, wow, Ring of Honor is doing a lot better than I thought. I got to come watch this. And that, you know, it's kind of been the opposite coming out of this. is like, because I, I wasn't hearing a lot of people down on Ring of Honor before this show. Um, yeah, like a lot of people were not watching it week to week, but they would like give it a chance. Once in a while, you know, they will watch a big show. They would pick out some big matches. Like Ring of Honor, yeah, their product's kind of bland. They're not really hot right now, but they're not bad either. Like we'll watch some stuff coming out of the show. It's a lot more negative, so I don't know. That's I feel like maybe well, they and, have and, lost some ground. Yeah, those people stopped watching what they were watching, and there's a noticeable noticeable loss, and I will agree with that. Okay, all right. I don't I don't know if those ratings are even tracked because it's so, like, below the radar. So, um, yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, uh, I guess because we'll wait and see if any news comes out about that. I'm honestly not seeing anything praise that Ring of Honor did overall. So... It's not just, oh, my God, they brought in people that we don't sanction. It's, you know, like nobody's praising the ladder match that I see. I'm not seeing – like there's a lot of shit that happened that was very Ring of Honor. Yeah, true. And it, But it's not getting any praise. Hey, I'll praise a bunch of Ring of Honor stuff on this show. So uh, so I, I get what you're saying. Anybody's just knee-jerking against anything Ring of Honor uh, is not on the same page with me. So, um, so, yeah, we had this women's match that I liked. The part after the match, it was not as – thrilled about uh, and then we have mega ran the uh the person he's gonna come out oh. and sing a song so that that's gonna happen <laughs> and then bully ray's gonna come out to bully him and he's gonna stand there and talk shit to bully ray yeah and super weird too because i don't know what they were expecting exactly and yeah. you know uh bully ray supposed to be like the biggest heel uh on god's green earth like yeah. the most hated man he comes out and he like instantly baby faces himself to like stand up against this stupid guy who's out here to waste everybody's time. So really weird segment here. Um, I, yeah, I don't really even know where to take this. That's the funny thing to me. While everybody is critiquing Ring of Honor so hard for big things, it's actually the small things in the booking that are really problematic for me. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to put Liger and Muda at the end knowing kind of what the crowd would do. And you don't have the biggest heel in the independent world, you know, who just comes in to heal it up, whether it's all in or this. Put him in a segment where clearly, clearly, clearly what is going to happen is what happened. Like, there's no, I don't know how you get that wrong. So either they wanted it to happen, which is weird, or they didn't anticipate it, which is um a, a bad, bad read. Right, yeah. And I don't know which one it is, but you got the heel who needs to be a heel not only because that's what he is, but because this whole segment that we're about to watch depends on you hating this guy, mm-hmm. this whole match that's coming. And yet you're going to do a whole thing where the crowd is going to be firmly behind him to get rid of the actual heel, which is the WWE uh, come out and sing or rap moment that nobody likes even in WWE. But let's do it here. I have no clue what they were going for. <laughs> Really baffling, yeah. Uh, a bad read, I think, is a great way to talk about um, this yeah. and, yeah, maybe some other stuff as I well agree with that. that went on tonight. Um, if, if there's one thing they're guilty of, it might be that. Um, I agree. But, yes, Bully Ray comes out, uh, proving himself a hero, bizarrely, and stops this segment from happening. Uh, eventually, he gets the ring to himself, thank God. Tell, he says he told everybody, Juice Robinson wouldn't make it to MSG, so his open challenge is still open. Who comes out but the guy that I think everybody expected to come out anyway, because apparently this feud is still going on. Mm. It's Flip Gordon, who I'm not really a big fan of, but he's back. 
A jacked up Flip Gordon. <laughs> He's jacked up, apparently. I assume commentary told you he was jacked yes. up, because I didn't notice. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you have Bully Ray and Flip Gordon, and they, it seems like they're just going to have a singles match. But, oh, wait, after a couple minutes, uh, Silas Young and Shane Taylor come out, and they're going to beat up Flip Gordon. But who who's here to make the save? It's Taz. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. It's somebody else. <laughs> it's, uh, okay, yeah, I had not heard this theme before, but it's Taz's theme. Um but it's actually Mark Haskins and Juice Robinson, who's apparently fine anyway, so I don't know why he didn't just come out earlier. Um, but they're going to make a, a six-man tag, and it's going to be a hardcore match. And, uh, and yeah, that's what we've got. So kind of a convoluted setup, but now we have this three-on-three match to look forward to here. And uh, yeah. I'll just say, I think this is another match that people were, like, tremendously down on. It's another match where I really don't get it. Um because even not being a huge fan of some of these people, particularly the three baby faces, I'm not really high on any of them. Still, I really enjoyed this match. I thought Bully Ray did a great job getting it over. I thought some of the stuff they did was impressive. I'm not high on Flip Gordon, but him like walking around with those welts on his back, like that's oh impressive God. to me. Holy crap. Um, so yeah, they built this up kind of by sheer force of will and through some actually good character work. So, you know, maybe take a lesson there. Uh, it's not my favorite match of the night necessarily, but I-, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. So I'm definitely giving credit to them in this situation. And in case I'm not coming off like it, I can listen to dialogue and have a changing opinion. For me, watching this live, this was the low point of my night up to this point. But it was because until I until I heard other people, I had no problem with anything that had happened. Like I had just thoroughly enjoyed the show. Mm. And then they ruined, you know. They ruined my mood, not with the match, but with that stupid shit that happened before it. You know, and th- this is the idiocy. So if you want to, you want to bash something again and bash bad choices, like you have this this dude um, saying they won't Devon. Okay, this is a kind of kind of a symbol of everything wrong with this. You have Bully Ray under contract. You don't have Devon, but you want to create a segment where the fans won't Devon and not Bully. <laughs> like, I mean, what, is that, what are you doing and everything? And then. The six man had ups and downs, partly because my mood had been shifted. But what I will say, and I find Flip Gordon as off putting as Cody Rhodes does. <laughs> okay. Those fucking welts on his back and the kind of comeback story was not bad. No, not at all. It was quite good, actually. There was a real overcoming in it that, even with me not even liking these folks, I was like, yeah, 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 do it. Okay, I get it. I know where we're at. Take me where we're going. Yeah. And they did. When you tell a good story, uh, when you actually take the time to do that, you can elevate people that you might not even like otherwise, yes. and that's what happened here. I Yeah, I thought this was good. I enjoyed it. I don't know what people are on about. I don't know, but uh, I, I enjoyed this. And Bully Ray, this man deserves to be in about seven Hall of Fames. <laughs> because, you know, how many times has he reinvented himself? And in an era where everyone, like the bully, like bullying, we all have to get rid of bullying. Bullying is the worst thing ever. Like he is thriving as the bully of the independent scene. And he brings out like so much good in people. Yeah. You know, I never in my life would have guessed that I would have been watching Flip Gordon, Gordon in the lens that I was watching him towards the end of that match. 
And it takes a Bully Ray to do Bully Ray things for Flip Gordon to look and feel like he did at the end of that match. Absolutely. And yeah, one of the big strengths of Bully Ray is I think he knows very well when to put somebody over and how to Mm. do that. And uh, that's a great talent. I think that was on full display here. Yeah, nobody liked this. Again, uh, unless you want to hear Bully Ray say, oh, my balls, if that does something for you, then there's nothing else to see. (laughs) Saw that critique on several columns and comment (laughs) sections. He... uh, I don't know how that's a critique, but okay, whatever. Yeah, I don't, yeah. People, I don't know, yeah, people want to want to dislike Bully Ray uh, a lot. They go out of their way to find I'm a way sorry. to do it. So whatever, you know, that's more power to you, I guess, if you don't want to enjoy this. Um, I'll tell you what your problem was. You were, up, oh, you were on the wrong side of history when Bully Ray was Impact Heavyweight Champion. Amen. And now you just can't get back on the right side of history. <laughs> oh, great time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, the uh, team of babyfaces, who I nicknamed the Geeks in my notes, okay. uh, like they that. do gang up on Bully Ray and pin him in the end. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot of fun stuff in this. I, one more time, I just got to praise Bully Ray. Cause I just remembered that at one point he's, like, cornered by these three geeks, and he's trying to, like, walk out of the match, and they drag yes. him back in. And then he's, like, on his knees, and he's begging. And I'm like, man, this this is what a heel needs to do. Every heel She'd have this Bobby Heaton moment where everything they said, all the tough times that they acted strong and they wanted to push people around, it it should always come back, bite you in the ass, and you should be on your knees begging not to get your ass kicked by whoever you were tormenting. So, yeah, huge praise to that. Um, Yeah, I I got a big appreciation for Bully Ray, so I just got to hammer that home one more time. I am so glad you said that. I already put my notes away, but I had to go back and get them. And I mean this as a high compliment in case people don't get it, but I wrote down, Bully Ray walking away when the odds are against him. He is the closest thing wrestling has seen to South Park's Cartman. <laughs> uh, he's right up there. I absolutely, I love that comparison. That's great. I, it, it is uh, amazing. Cause I love that Bobby Heenan move, but man, Bully Ray pulling that with them just shows like the whole idea that's been around for 50 to 100 years to a thousand to however long that if you if you confront a bully they back down well you have the least imposing people in the world but there's more than one of them and they're confronting this bully who nobody made him come out nobody makes him come out and cause all this trouble but he does and then the minute they confront him he probably weighs more than the three of them but they confront him and he just backs the fuck out and tries to get out of the whole thing and it's just, come on, man. Do you know you know what makes good heels or not? Bully Ray knows whether you do or not. That's the that's the lesson from this. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next, we got a, a match that a lot of people were very excited about going into the card. A, a match that I think was received very well. Uh, it is a three way match for the IWGP Junior Championship. We have Dragon Lee wrestling out of Mexico, out of CMLL, taking on uh, Taiji Ishimori who uh, I guess is still, like, in the Bullet Club or whatever's left of that, um, versus Bandito, who is a, uh, another Lucha star who uh, has been seen uh, at All In and in a lot of different places and now signed the Ring of Honor. So uh, three guys coming together here that you might not normally see. Uh, it promised to be uh, very fun if you like this kind of match, which I do. Um, they do uh, some really incredible spots. They have some really fast, fast-paced stuff. Uh, they go for some really 
that that three person like moonsault slam thing was like uh, quite ridiculous. I, I don't even know if I liked it, like for how cooperative it was, but just physically, like it was definitely something that you would remember visually. So yeah, a lot going on in this match. Uh, what did you think about this one? I did not really watch this match. I, I've, <laughs> I've read it got very high um, marks. I was partly I was um, tired because this is you know a lot by now, but also I was a little put off by that Bully Ray rapper stuff. So that I think I was at this point probably checking the internet a lot to see what people how people are responding to the show. Mm-hmm. And you can't find much because if, again, props to you if you're a WWE fan. I knock WWE, but man, I'd like to be a fan because that's the only place I can find commentary. Outside, because I'm not on social media, so I, and I don't want to see it there because maybe I don't want commentary. But you know, still trying to find it, and there's there's next to nothing. So didn't really watch it. I actually turned it back on when there was like three people on the top rope and they were doing. Um, I think if you like it again, it's visually striking, and these are all guys you're probably gonna hear about for a long time. I know Bandito the best because I've seen him in Ring of Honor, but I do think somebody should be try to start a silly shit chant that rivals the holy shit so that you know every time it's impressive is it holy shit or is it just silly shit mm. who knows every time they do a pyramid and look like a cheerleader group that's trying to you know it's who knows <laughs> who knows i don't know but yeah i i have no doubt that this was a great match because whether i like it or not what a great match would be is I am watching three guys because I know what they're about and I want them to deliver in some way. And then they, I'm I, from everything I've read, they did that and more. So, Hey, I yep, don't know. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I did think it was a fun match and, uh, yeah, you may get a little bit of silly shit, uh, <laughs> in so far as, yeah, maybe they're, uh, cooperating a little bit to, uh, kind of put some spots together, but still a lot of great stuff in here. A lot of stuff that, uh, I was impressed by, Dragon Lee gets the win, um, and that would have been my pick. I, uh, I'm a very big Dragon Lee fan. So, okay. Yeah, hope that uh, he gets more of a spotlight going forward. What makes you more of a Dragon Lee fan than of the other two? Um, just uh, I like his spots the best. You know, there's okay. nothing really more to it than that. Um, all these three guys, you know, they're very athletic. They're talented in that department. They do cool stuff. To me, Dragon Lee does the coolest stuff, and, you know, when that's the contest you're having, then that's how you're going to win. Okay. I think for me, here's where the problem started with this show. Okay. Aside from the tag match, which I didn't really even know was on this card, I was mostly looking forward to every single match still to come, and I found myself with each match wishing the fewer of them were on the card, and yet that's what I tuned in to watch. Oh, man. Like, at this point in the card, that's when that started happening? Yeah, you know, just being so fatigued from trying to watch it all in one <laughs> sitting. Uh, I'm still amazed, yeah, that you watched it all in one go. Like, uh, that, whew. This is where it starts to Like, yeah, the people who watch WrestleMania from start to finish this year. Like, uh, I can't imagine. What is with these bloated cars? I love what you said earlier, that you should have a hard limit of three hours, man. <laughs> yes. tell, tell your story in three hours and get out the door. Uh, otherwise, you're just being ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, and, and then, you know. It sucks sometimes when you don't make a card, especially now we're so concerned, you know, and it's good, it's nice, I do appreciate it, that we're concerned that everybody gets their best living, but at the same time, if everybody, it's also the truth that if everybody on your fucking card makes the card, then what, you know, <laughs> is, it, is it really, you know, like, 
I don't know. This it's a mixed up conversation, but again, three hours. My guy's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. I can only speak as a fan. I always want wrestlers to get work, to get yes. paid, all that stuff. But as a fan, it's a lot to watch all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's a benefit for me because I watch almost nothing live, and this is exactly the reason. Everything's too long. I like to be able to fast forward through stuff, through yes. kind of the stuff I'm not interested in. Um, it's really the only way for me to watch anymore. So. Uh, there is an appeal but, to watching live, but if it's too much of a grind, you just can't do it. I want to watch live. I want to feel, because probably because I haven't felt it, like, aside from a couple of shows, it's been WCW pay-per-views the last time that I'm watching something live where I don't know what's going to happen and it's got that big feel. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's mostly 20-plus years ago that I ever had that. So I want that, but you can give me nothing but delights. Like, who in the world is going to complain? Oh, I, I've got to watch Tanahashi wrestle. I've got to watch Ibushi wrestle. i got to watch Okada wrestle. But, man, trying to take notes especially and trying to watch in one sitting. And I'm busy, busy, busy right now. So I thought, like, if I don't watch it right now, I might not get back to it. Mm. So just maybe five and a half hours. Like, this is also, okay, one more critique, one more critique. Are you an alternative to WWE or are you... Do you just wish you were in WWE's position? Because a lot of things I got from the some of the comedy, some of the music, some of the pace in the five and a half hours is that we wouldn't mind just taking WWE's uh, formula and just being WWE. And I'm like, no, that's not really what we need. <laughs> no, we need sirs, ma'ams, folks, young folk. All right, young folk. That's why I say every time when my old pastor used to say that. When anytime young people were like expressing themselves as human beings, he'd be like, "All right, young folk." And then when I see people get out of pocket, "All right, young folk." There's a little bit of "All right, young folk" in this, but you know, five and a half hours, you're gonna do some things well. You're gonna mess up some things, so yeah. All right. I so, uh, we do move on to that tag match, as you mentioned. What is on the card? Uh, you got four teams here going at it. You got Los Ingo the left. Excuse me, Los Ingobernables, between Sonata and Evil. You got the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tango Loa. You got the Briscoe Brothers, and you got Villain Enterprises, PCO, mm. and the Bounty Hunter, Brody King. <laughs> um, and I just got to say, everyone was so down on like kind of the Ring of Honor stuff, but do you know who was honestly the star of this match to me? Of this you. show, possibly? Fucking PCO, man. <laughs> oh, my God. The entrance was awesome. Everything he did in this match is awesome. The bumps he took were unbelievable. The offense he dished out was jaw-dropping. PCO is my man, man. I love this. I thought this was a very fun match. I had a great time with it. The thing that I like about PCO, because I'm not going to... I'm not going to appropriate the movement and act like I'm on the bandwagon when I really wasn't. And I'm watching this from, from the outside, but these are things that are not supposed to ever happen in this world. And I love it not only because it happened, but, but, but I don't stop there. So, like, I'm not impressed with, like, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen, and it happened, yay, but it's not really that good, but it wasn't supposed to happen. That's the thing. Not only was it never supposed to happen in this world, but he is fucking in his zone in his lane in his pocket in his bag and it is a strange bag and the balls on that man to bring back that chair that abdullah the butcher was sitting in in 1991 (laughs) my god i didn't know what the fuck i was watching but i liked it yeah that's what really makes it work with pco because yeah it'd be cool i guess 
in any circumstances, potentially, if somebody uh, just appeared again out of nowhere and started having success like this. But, man, he has earned every inch of what he's gotten. He's mm. 51 years old, mm. and he bumped better than just about everyone on the card mm. here. Like, when they dumped him out of the ring, the oh, ring did not live through that. And yet, like, he was he was back in it, you know? He, he would have been good to go again if he'd had the chance. So, man, really incredible. Uh, I had the chance to see him live last year, and, man, it's one of the best experiences I think I've ever had live with a performer. He's just got something about him some kind of drive, and man, props to him uh, for like 25 years away from MSG. He comes back and in some ways kind of steals the show a little bit here, you know, with all these guys who are supposed to be the best in the world. And they are so great, and yet he's here. He's doing this stuff, and man, he's the guy that I'm going to remember most when I look back on the show, and that that's the truth. Do you ever physically squirm when you see like a move? Take sure, place. sure, definitely. Okay, gonna make sure. They, <laughs> they dropped that dude. Like, uh, I don't know about I, thank you for checking that I'm not a complete like sociopath or something. No, <laughs> I thought maybe I would hit the problem because like I, maybe I could imagine some, you know, like this will work. You know, they know what they're doing, but there's such a sense that when you throw someone on their back from the ring to the floor, that is, they're either gonna go through a table. Or, like, all the cheerleaders wrestling with them are going to catch them in their spot. Mm. And so, like, I imagine that there's something, even in my reaction, that has him. And even knowing no, no, no wrestlers down there, no table, that halfway there, there's going to be something that starts breaking his fall. <laughs> so I'm reacting to him hitting that thing that's not there. Then I'm reacting to that thing not being there. Then I'm reacting to, no, he's actually going all the way down and hitting the floor. And it was just... It was a lot. And then I'm like, he's dead. And the arena was like, he's dead. And that yeah. motherfucker yeah. sits right up. And then he falls back down. And I'm like, I don't oh. know. Is he fucking dead? That was a beautiful moment. Oh, oh thank you God. for reminding me of that. Yeah, he sat up again. And it was like the <laughs> pop of the night. Uh, I wish he had just gone back in and won the match then, honestly. Um, he probably almost could have done it, too. So, Huge props to him. I also think Brody King looked great in this match. Uh, they were the stars to me. Like, all, all these guys did pretty well, I thought. But, man, PCO and Brody King, I thought they were killing it here. I wrote down, is PCO real life? And I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't think he is. Oh, I don't. I said PWI. nobody like PCO. There is nobody like PCO. There was an era that PWI in their awards had. The comeback of the year and inspirational wrestler of the year. And... I feel like PCO, there should be a year where PCO is Inspirational Wrestler of the Year and Tony Schiavone is Comeback of the Year, and it's like 2018 or 19. Like, what world are we living in? It's a lovely world. Ah, oh, there's some great stuff, for sure. Yeah, man, this is good. This this is a good match. Yeah, this is good. In some ways, this is my favorite match on the show. I'll just say that I, flat out. There are other matches that were more polished, more beautiful, more graceful, perhaps, that had more hype. I don't know, though. This match, I think this was my favorite. There's no better Miz fan uh, rhetorical takedown of New Japan Pro Wrestling than saying there's 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 other matches that are more graceful. <laughs> that <laughs> well, is you, you brought that into the lexicon, and that's it, it helped me articulate something I was thinking about New Japan earlier, so we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's just a lovely way, though. If, if, you're, if your favorite match is watching PCO... And you want to put that over the in New Japan, you know, 
Oh, that, nah, those are definitely more graceful. That's just, <laughs> that's, that's, that's so indirect and direct at the same time. Well, thank you, I think. Uh, so. <laughs> Good stuff. That was fun, though, because this is a compliment to the card that I did not even think about, because in my mind, almost it was almost a lot of the same style, but now that I'm really, you know, really going through this, there was a lot of different styles represented, and, you know, It'd be fun to talk to a lot of open-minded people who watch the show and just hear who was your favorite performer, what was your favorite match, and see how similar or different that is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there could be a lot of difference of opinion um, that could be held in a positive conversation instead of, yeah. Uh, I like that you excluded the closed-minded people who uh, would probably be sounding off a lot in that conversation. Because I really want to know. Like, I nothing would – nothing. Like, this is one of the most intriguing moments – of this conversation, and I have enjoyed this conversation, but I don't know if I've even thought about my favorite match, but hearing you say this was your favorite match is just, it's not the obvious choice. I'll put it, I'll say it like that. No, yeah, this match had almost no conversation coming out except for the PCO bump, but man, I, that was the highlight, but there was a lot of good stuff in here. I thought Sonata and Evil did a really good job. I thought the Gorillas were looking good. Um, there, there was a lot of fun stuff in this match, so I, I really want to shout it out. They said on commentary, if this is true, Sonata has the same vertical leap as LeBron James. The same. Wow. I can believe it. I don't know why. Like, I don't even remember who he was because it's been like five days. But uh, <laughs> it seems like you'd be a fucking WWE star right now just off that statistic. <laughs> he was uh, – oh, you might have left. He was in TNA, but you might have been gone by that point. So. I don't remember, but that's a, that's a hell of a – my God. Okay. Anyway, just an interesting thing. Yeah. Like, that's, like, I feel like sometimes, like, Brock Lesnar has been pushed this long not because he's that good. At first, you know, always a WWE guy, but it's like, he's a genetic freak, and then, like, end of conversation forever. And so, I can see, like, he has the same vertical leap as LeBron James in his, the rest of his career is set. Sure, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff that can get you uh, a push in wrestling, so, yeah. Yes. I, it's not as very good, though, so I, I don't reduce him just to that, no. so I'll just say. <laughs> it's just a weird, because... It is weird. LeBron James is other. I'm not even a fan, but man, like physically gifted, he's otherworldly, and so too. That's <laughs> shades that's of, not... uh, of of Sting, and uh, the only oh, yeah. talking point being yeah his jumping ability. So his leapfrog. He did a leapfrog. Oh man, he jumped Luger. from one ring to the other during the two ring show. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's the career of Lex Luger. He was wrestling Ric Flair for years. They actually did numbers that the NWA wasn't doing at one point. But Sting had that leapfrog. <laughs> <laughs> if only, yeah, Luger had jumped higher, then, yeah. then we'd be in a different world. Okay, let's get uncomfortable with each other, Vince Van. Let's, let's do this. Ooh, okay, all right. I'm interested in what that means. Our next match here is Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Hiroshi. No, sir, no, sir. We, nope. we, we, had, we had something happen between them. Oh, though. yeah. I, I um, Mostly, yeah, my experience with this is just watching live and less, like, looking up stuff after the fact. So I, I heard about this but it wasn't really part of my experience so uh by all means yeah say whatever you want to say about this it's all good the biggest hate crime ever committed against pro wrestling those sons of bitches ring of honor not only did they go against the honor code and everything they stand for for 17 years those motherfuckers they hired people who they didn't read my blog last week when i said that enzo and big Cass are off limits to pro wrestling I actually, and I'll be the only one in the world, and I don't give a fuck. 
that was like, oh, so much heat, so much heat. And maybe the heat was we hate these fuckers, but you know what? It was there. Bully Ray comes running down, and this is right, right on the heels. Poor Ring of Honor, right on the heels of Bret Hart, a real attack, and these these fun yeah, people. Bad timing. Bad, bad, timing. bad timing. Everybody online thought, thought this was real. Two for for like five seconds, and then they're like, once they found out it wasn't, they were all you know. Obviously, the whole time the security didn't do anything, so we knew it was a work. But like the first <laughs> postings of the news, all had it as a legitimate thing. Yeah, true. So, mm, um, what do I feel about this? I'm a little bit. I'm not really into the Enzo big cast. Like I know why Enzo was fired, um, but then to me, I don't know if that's why people hate him. If that's why he's, he's hated, well, then he needs to be. Like, try it in a court of law, if that's what it is. If it's just, like, we now have a stench on them, then I'm not with that. Big Cass, I have no idea. Maybe he caused trouble in WWE. I don't know. So I don't know their stories, but I just know they are public enemies, number one and two. And then they invade the show. They try to play it like it's a shoot. And I honestly didn't know whether it was a Like, you know, you always figure work because of the era that we live in. But yeah. the way that they covered it in a way, like like they were not trying to show it. And they were all like super offended. So it was a little Vince Russo y, you know. So I'm not going to support that. But I will say that I was engaged for a little while. I was look. I missed some matches that were coming. I missed some things because I was like, what the fuck? Is it? Are they really there? And then I got all the commentary that, oh my God. <laughs> and then, you know, I just got swept away in the world of um, hysteria that followed. All I remember is from Enzo is that he was massively over at one time in his um, promo work. And then I don't know if anyone ever liked him as Cruiserweight Champion or they pissed off that he got the belt, but at least one or two people not in the mainstream conversation told me he was doing a good job at one point. So I don't know. I would need someone to sit down instead of just saying, oh, them sons of bitches, they did <laughs> things that I don't like. Tell me why they're not allowed to do it. And I might agree with you. But every time that I hear the capital I internet, I'll say one thing and not have to give an explanation for why it's bad, then my red flags go up. So maybe, Ms. Fan, you can break this down for me. Uh, I don't know if I can or not. Um, I uh, It didn't really affect me that much either way. Um, like you, I'm not really a fan of the whole word shoot sort of yeah. thing. Um I think that's pretty tired. I'm tired of every, you know, every invasion <laughs> angle has to be kind of the same, similar sort of thing. Um, Enzo and Cass, uh, I, uh, you know, they did a few things well, I think. Um, but uh, I don't think they really have a very good reputation right now. And, yeah, definitely no. part of it is just, like, based on personal stuff, which is one thing. And part of it is, yeah, uh, Enzo... As Cruiserweight champ, you know, you're right that he was over with, like, the catchphrases and stuff, kind of like the road dog Conan thing where, like, mm. the crowd will talk along with you. And that gets you to a certain point. But also, like, bear in mind that uh, Pac, one of the reasons he left WWE is, you know, WWE turned to a guy like Enzo, who's yeah. definitely much more of, like, a WWE kind of guy, and say, well, you know, we want him to be out here doing, like, the scripted jokes and, like, the, the, the talk-along catchphrases. You know, instead of whatever you're doing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's not really very exciting to me that they're coming in. Um, it does seem like uh, a, a bad read, again, kind of like you were saying before, just like something that fans, whether they're watching or not, you know, and it's a fair point you brought up earlier that maybe this won't cost them fans because those fans aren't watching anyway. But 
I, I don't see him gaining any fans out of this, you know, at a bare minimum. So I don't know what they've really accomplished other than to kind of annoy people. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, probably some people are reacting strongly, um, but they do seem like a troublesome pair of guys backstage. And uh, even if that doesn't affect you, they really only bring one kind of thing in the ring, and it's a very kind of WWE sort of thing. So it just bring a lot of heat interesting right now. to me. <laughs> What's that? They bring a lot of heat right now. <laughs> I, I suppose, and uh, maybe there's something to be said for that, but I don't know if it's the kind of heat that yeah. you want. You know, it's not the kind of heat that's like, oh, I got to see their matches. I hope they get the shit beat out of them. It's more <laughs> like, you know, eh, I, I don't think I really want to watch Ring of Honor. You know, I wasn't doing it anyway, maybe. But, uh, you know, so... So, yeah, getting heat, sure, as far as that goes, but uh, I don't know if it's really going to do them any favors. I really would be surprised if it did. I think it was the closest thing that I came in the whole night to wanting to watch a Ring of Honor show. All right. That, I think... I'm not saying I'll do it because I probably won't, but, like, <laughs> I want to see. Part of me wants to see, and it just depends because if people really hate them so much that, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't watch, then, you know, it's not going to work, but... If people that are watching hate them as much as they act like they hate them, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see. Because even the people that, like, oh, I, this is an abomination, then they're like, oh, so-and-so got a really stiff punch, and I love watching so-and-so get punched in the face, Big Cass or Enzo. So I was like, hmm, do you love to see that, or do you not want to see that? I don't know which one you're saying. I don't know but, if those people exist anymore, but if they do, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll get that, but... Uh, I don't think you'll get I'm just saying that, for me... Mm-hmm. I was interested in, like, what... Because I didn't know if it was a work or not, and then, you know, I don't know how they're going to play this. So it gave me some questions, and nothing else did, really, because we'll get to the world title match. They could have got me. If they really wanted me to watch, they could have changed the outcome of the world title match. But, <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so they've already taped their first show, and you know what... Not You know what the first match... Or, or they've aired their first show. I don't know which one it is, but... The first match on the card, apparently, from what I read, is yeah. Dalton Castle with the boys versus. So it's from before he um, did what he did at the show. Oh uh, well, yeah. This is another big problem of Ring of Honor: is their taping schedule is very stupid, and their week-to-week show is uh, impossible to engage with in like a story-driven way. So. These are bigger problems, honestly, than bringing in the beautiful people or Enzo and Cass. Yes, you know, it is. This is the reason that their product is ice cold in the first place, and bringing <laughs> in these people, these unpopular people, isn't going to fix that if you don't fix the core problem of your stories. Like, who, even if you think it might be good to bring Enzo and Cass in and do, like, a story about them, how are you going to do that if you can't even tell stories because your weekly product is, like, a jumbled mess and you don't follow through on anything? So... They that's, got most that's of your me. real problem, Ring of Honor. Yeah, I clicked on the taping results and I never do that because I was like, oh my god. And partly, like I'm not like I'm not saying I know I'm the only person in the world making any argument for that <laughs> segment, but like I'm curious. Like, are they now just on the on the show? Like, like, I can see Ring of Honor and I would not like this, but now oh they were invaded the one week and now in the, currently in the ring and they're just wrestling a match and they got their gimmick and it's like okay how did that happen? But, I, but but are they going to be at ringside? Are they going to like I'm I'm curious just to see how they're developing this. So I clicked on it to find out, and the first thing I read is fucking Dalton Castle with the boys, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm out. Right. 
even if it's taped and it sucks, is there a way not like if you if you have any idea what you're doing with Dalton Castle, just don't book him? Like, is there well, not a way to figure <laughs> that out? Sure, WCW had people losing the tag titles before they won them sometimes, but at least <clears> they like finagled their taping schedule so that it wouldn't be completely obvious, you know. It sucks for any company that's taped in this era because you're never going to experience anything firsthand, more than likely. But there's still a difference between, oh, my God, this is a big fall off because I'm going from show that I like that was live to a tape show that's not really addressing it to the tape show completely contradicts what I saw on the show that made me watch the tape show. Mm, yeah. So that's just a hot mess. And you know what? Yeah. You know, whatever. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. But I just, if I had looked for them and did not read the results, I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna watch Ring of Honor. And the first thing I saw was that this is this is why this is why the Ring of Honor. This is why. <laughs> yeah, they got they got problems enough without booking people. You know, that's like off to one side to their main problem, honestly. So we'll see what happens. We will see we- what happens. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll, see from, we'll see from afar. Ring of Honor. We we mentioned a lot of shows on All About Ali. You might, you know, and we, we don't discriminate. Like, if we find something that's interesting, one of us will be like, hey, how about we cover this as well? You know, it kind of fits. And so far, that's never been Ring of Honor except this super card, so. Yeah, pretty much. Outside of those uh, NWA segments, which are all housed within Ring yeah. of Honor also. Good point. Um, Good. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah, but... I, I don't know if you know. Do you know? That we're going to get Nick Aldis in the uh, commentary booth during the world title match or not? I heard something about that, so okay. I'm relying on you to uh, give me some information if anything interesting happens. Uh, I'm sure anything. something may I heard he did fine. Like, he did a good job, actually. Aldis did. So. I didn't hear one way or the other, but I do not agree with that. All right, cool. Good to know. <laughs> I don't think he did bad. He did exactly like I, Nick Aldis, I would expect Nick Aldis to do. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe I should say more accurately. I did not hear he did a bad job, okay. so <laughs> that might be more accurate. Um, but, yeah, our next matchup uh, is Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi in their wrestling for the uh, RevPro British Heavyweight Championship uh, promotion over in the U.K. that uh, I'm actually a reasonably – good fan of i think uh, they do some good stuff over there got some partnerships with uh new japan that they're clearly cashing in on here more power to them um i like this match i'm not the biggest fan of tanahashi some people absolutely love the guy and i get why he's not my absolute favorite uh, i do like zach saber jr a lot and i thought he uh put on a very good show here um i appreciate how uh he's able to kind of act like a dick in his matches uh, he was able to slide in and do a lot of slick submissions. Um, some good psychology in here. Tanahashi kind of with an injured arm, and they play into that a lot. Like he's trying to skin the cat at one point, but he can't because his arm is hurt. Uh, every time Tanahashi gets going, Sabre goes back to the arm, starts picking it apart. Um, so there's some good stuff in here. I, I thought this was a very fun match. Um, this might actually have been my favorite of like the New Japan-specific matches on the card. Okay, so I... My poor innocent self, who had not yet realized I was not allowed to enjoy the Enzo and Cass segment, um, has a, trying to calm down so much heat with Enzo and Cass. We'll ignore, <laughs> we'll ignore that note. Uh, I missed some of this. I watched some of it, but I was looking for videos and seeing what people were people's take on what had just happened with Tanahashi. Again, I, I think I agree on Tanahashi. I, I wrote down Tanahashi is so pro, and he is just he's a, he is a pro, and he's so good, but. 
And I've only watched three or four matches. So I'm not making judgments here, folks. I'm not making judgments. But he always seems like he's good. Mm. He's good. He's good. But in those matches, I've never left saying, I need to keep watching. Like, I've got to keep watching Tanahashi. Somebody give me a give me a list. Give me a list of the matches. So he was about what I expected. Zack Sabre Jr., I said that I like the idea of him, and I don't know if I like the reality of him. So he's so, like, dangerous in a weird way, which is very <laughs> unique. The announcers were explaining it. I should have wrote it down, but they were explaining how he he just took things too far in something, some style, and there's something he added and mm. something he does. So I need to go back and watch this one before making a judgment on either one because – I liked the match, but I wasn't watching half of it. But <laughs> both of them did about what what I would expect from the matches I've watched of them. Fair enough. Um, Saber's a fun one. I hope we get a chance to talk about him more. Uh, he's a guy who I've talked a few times about guys who I liked at first, and they kind of like fell off for me. Saber's the opposite. Kind of the more I've watched him, the more I've appreciated mm. him because uh, he does do a lot of little things. Um, one thing you've talked about is guys who not just do submissions, but then like wrench them in and do like they're actually working the submissions yeah. he's very good for that there's definitely a time where it's like well his look is weird he's too thin he's too mechanical mm. he's like a dean malenko type but man the more i watched him the more i noticed stuff that kind of threw me off that track and now okay. now i really look forward to zach saber jr every time i see him he's honestly one of my favorite guys okay i'm not gonna say too much because i'm guessing because it's not it's not in my notes but i do think maybe i saw him as being too mechanical in the match so I might have had that experience as well. And at the same time, I also I also take your point because I do think that he's very, very, very intentional in what he's doing. Right, yeah. So, so, so yeah. yeah, I hope we get a chance to talk about him more because yeah, I think he can be very fun, especially uh, as you watch him match over match. Um, he does get the win. He uh, kind of pretzels Tanahashi yeah. in so many like combined submissions that uh, even the ace of New Japan or the one-time ace has to tap out, so uh, God bless Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, surely never probably thought he would get such a high-profile win in Madison Square Garden, but I, in yeah. my opinion, he deserves it, so very cool to see him come to that level. Props to Tanahashi, too, for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's, there's some guys that might not be so so graceful, Ms. Fan. <laughs> sure, yeah, this is a guy who uh, really is one of the biggest stars in the world, has a lot of clout, does not have to be out here losing to a guy like Sabre, I think. And that's no slam on Saber. It's just recognition of how high how Tanahashi is as like basically the, you know, the the top guy of New Japan yes. for so many years. You know, he doesn't have to be out here losing to just about anybody if he didn't want to. But he's very, right. very giving and uh, very good at putting people over. So I give Tanahashi a lot of credit. I'm a fan. You know, not uh, like best wrestler in the world, but just like I don't know. Everything he does seems to always try to be like for the good of. Uh, of the product and for the good of like what's going on. And he's very engaged. He cares a lot. And I like that. Yeah. I think for me too, so much of what I care about is linked to character and story. And I, you know, I never can fully get that. So, you know, I feel like there's a big chunk of who he is and what he's about. That is especially missing to me. Mm. Whereas Okada like, I, I was rooting, I watched Tanahashi versus Okada at one of the Wrestle Kingdoms live, and I was rooting for Tanahashi because I was like, this is the guy who's out there grinding, and this is, and the next guy is the, you know, he's a flashier version that gets to take his place. 
But I can just watch Tanahashi, excuse me, Okada do one drop kick and be like, you know, I know enough about this guy to, to heap praise upon him. <laughs> I get a feeling that Tanahashi is a combination of things. Yeah. And so, but I, I can't fully tap into it not having watched the story, not being able to fully connect the storylines and characters. But, like, I think putting this dude over like he did, I was, I don't even watch a lot of this stuff, but I was shocked at how the match ended. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Good for them both. Absolutely so. Uh, we go to a match next that I think that you are probably very excited to talk about. Uh, I'm very interested in your take. It is the match that uh, pretty much everyone said was the match of the night. It is Kota Ibushi taking on Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, uh, which is a title held in very high regard. Don't let the Intercontinental fool you. Um, this is definitely uh, really just uh, a few inches away from that top title and sometimes has even been booked above it. Uh, so cool to see it here. Cool to see uh, two guys who are just obscenely talented in this match. Uh, what did you think about it? Number one, I did not know that everyone was calling this the match of the night. That and I've got the to consensus say, pick, so yeah, go ahead. Wow. Capital I Internet, you love me. You really love me. <laughs> we have agreed on one thing in this world. <laughs> Yeah, I did not. Like I said, I didn't go over it in my head, but I think felt sense wise, and I reserved the right to change my mind if I if I gun it my gun it my head. This was the match of the night for me, and from the beginning, I had this feeling. Yeah, this is like IC title in the vein of Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage. We're gonna steal the show. IC title, like we're the mm-hmm. this IC title in the vein of. Yeah, you got good matches coming after us, but you better be damn afraid that we're down here. <laughs> and man, for me, I've never seen a dirtier son of a bitch than Naito, number one. <laughs> Don't you just what? love him? Yeah. Oh God, this guy's disgusting in a way that I I don't think I will allow like the people I cared about to be around this man. That's how much I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah. And, like, how quickly he conveyed that to me. Mm. And then you got Ibushi, who sometimes seems like he might be naive beyond what is good. Or he might partake in the fun a little bit to the point that he could be taken advantage of. It's a man who said, I think, in an interview that he let his friendship with Kenny Omega be such that he allowed Kenny Omega to be better than him, to be bigger than him, and he didn't push himself to be what he could be. So you're pairing two guys, interestingly enough to me, that can both get it done in the ring, but they have very different styles to me, and I'm I'm, I'm taking in more from them than I should even be able to do for the little bit that I've watched them. And then the absolute pleasure to me, that it is to watch Ibushi. I don't know what it is. Like, he does a snap Rana. Everything he does, though. Everything has a snap. It has grace. It has hang time when it needs to, and it pops off where it needs to. That is a man in his prime that can do whatever he wants to do and do it how he wants to do it. And then you got this loose cannon on the other side who... This is a man... If I'm understanding correctly, I think the commentary said the first IC title he won, he destroyed the belt because he didn't want to be IC champion. That was a shame to him. And he destroyed the belt. 
Then they said he is, I think, a second-time IC champion, and he treats the belt a little bit better. He drags it at the ground, but he hasn't destroyed it again. <laughs> but it, he's still not happy. And I'm just watching a man have a breakdown, and this is partly what was good about Brian Pillman. I think sometimes we, car- we caricature the loose cannon thing, but there was something about, are you doing this at times as mind games to get over, or are you really your own worst enemy? And this, Nido to me, could he could have do something really clever, and I would not be shocked. And he could be his own worst enemy in this moment, and I would not be shocked. Whereas I do think that we are, if I was putting money down on stocks and trying to make some money, put some money down on Ibushi. Ibushi, easy choice. Lord knows he'd probably be an EVP and make three to six million dollars a year right now. <laughs> uh, you know, being real. But for now, he is staying with New Japan, and I would put money on him and his his rocket. His rocket's only going to go up. And in this match, it did. Uh, beautiful back and forth, beautiful moves. I love that. The dead weight German suplex where he just lifts that dead body and then... I don't know, man. I don't know. I will... Here's the test. This is the Legacy Series Presents G1 Supercar, but this is all about All Elite. And when I watch Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, this is the standard that I'm going to hold Kenny Omega to because if I if there was no Kenny Omega and Ibushi was in the Bullet Club and now in AEW and, and you told me they're going to sign him over WWE because he's the best in the world, and then I watch this match, I would say, okay, he's the best in the world. And I don't know how he does on the mic, but... What you told me about him getting it done in the ring, he does. Whereas, not making a judgment, but we watched Jer- we watched the first Jericho Kenny Omega match, and if you did not tell me Kenny Omega was the best in the world, he would have just been some other guy. Like there's another guy Miss Van is introducing me to. So, my standard, Kenny Omega. Should be at least as good as Ibushi in this match, but really should be better. This is not even the main event of G1 Supercard. And to me, Ibushi is just out there. It's a little bit Ricky Steamboat now that I say it. Everything Ricky Steamboat did, that's a Ricky Steamboat dropkick. That's a Ricky Steamboat chop. That's a Ricky Steamboat crossbody. And to me, everything Ibushi does... That's an Ibushi dropkick. That's an Ibushi German. That's an Ibushi this, that, and the other. It's a man within his frame, within his lane, and and thriving in it. I didn't know who was going to win, to be honest with you. I don't know. But the man who won is the man who I think should have won because booking from afar, Ibushi needs to be everything going up. And Naito needs to be everything going down because their trajectories and their personas and everything are leading them currently in those directions. So to me, great match, match of the night, right man won. And Kenny Omega, if you don't do better than Ibushi, shame on you, brother. It's your turn. Show me that you are the best in the world and not the man who is blocking perhaps one of the best in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question in my mind that I think Ibushi is a better wrestler than Kenny Omega. That's not even really in a conversation for me. I know many would disagree. That's fine. 
That's to your taste, but uh, yeah, to me, it's, it's much more about Ibushi than it is about Omega, so that's cool. Yeah, I love that recognition for this guy. Yeah, there's a reason I put him as one of my top guys to try to bring over into AEW, and uh doesn't seem like it's going to happen, although, funny enough, if this show does end up with uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor parting ways, then that could open up a whole new partnership, mm. so uh, that, that would be interesting as well. I do want to say, because... Doc had that big tournament with all the wrestlers from around the world. Yep. And number one, I did. I haven't heard. I think I missed one maybe, but I really, really enjoyed the feel that I got listening to it. That it sounded like people had been to the arenas and watched these matches. Mm. It had a very authentic feel. But, and maybe I'm wrong because I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I think the final four may have been three WWE guys and Kenny Omega. Uh, I remember the final two I saw was uh, Omega and Seth Rollins. So Okay, so everywhere you look, it's WWE and Kenny Omega. That's the narrative. That's the narrative. And so I am not – I think I'm being kind at times because this is Kenny Omega to me, again – you got you just got signed as the best in the world, and you're gonna main event double. You better fucking bring it. Like Jericho's already done his job. Like those voicemails were Jericho's job, <laughs> and now I don't know if you did you see the, the latest. No, uh, double I, I didn't watch anything. If you didn't send me the link, so okay. Um, so Cody Rhodes is in his office having a conversation with Mike, and he's asking Mike, what should he do about Jericho? And he's like, I, at the end of the day, I'm still his boss. He doesn't seem to understand that. Should I find him? And Mike's like, he's got so much money. Is it really going to make a dent to sign him? I'll find him. I, I think Mike suggests – I went through it quick, so maybe I missed this. But I think Mike suggests you bring Jericho into your office and have a face-to-face conversation with him. <laughs> God, I want to see that. So, oh yeah, I would really so Jericho's doing like I wasn't even excited at the Jericho signing, and now every time he pops up, man, like I'm marking, like I'm like I should not be this excited for him sitting in Cody Rhodes' office having a conversation <laughs> with him. But you should, because that, should. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what wrestling is about. It's about that story element, that character element. So, Chris Jericho in New Japan. Honestly, to me, was always miscast, especially at this point in his career. Really, at any point in his career, because, you know, no one will debate that Chris Jericho uh, is a great wrestler, especially at certain times. Um, But what he really is is a character, you know, that is his wheelhouse. That's where he excels. And this, you know, this is the kind of thing he was born to do. So, yeah, I'm right with you. You know that, that Chris Jericho in AEW made very little impact on me as far as like, oh, he's going to wrestle Kenny Omega again. But now... Yeah, I, I, I love Jericho now. I want to see more of him every day. <laughs> yeah, and it's partly Jericho and partly AEW because we're not seeing a lot of him. And that is what is helping this because, it, to me, his voicemails are, are money. And then it almost – I don't know why my brain was like, you can't get Jericho in your office. Like, Jericho – I don't know if I thought he's not in AEW or, like, I'm so into the storyline. I'm like, Jericho's not coming to your office, Cody. But, like, I can't imagine it. It's too big for me to imagine, and all I'm saying is it's very fair to say that this is how I should feel match to match from Kenny Omega in the ring. Because mm. Kenny Omega's not giving me this. We know he's not giving me this. But he should be so good as the best wrestler in the world, as the main event guy, as the guy who is clearly here for the in-ring part, that not only am I looking forward to his match, but I'm like, oh my god, fight for the fallen, like... 
they're going to let him wrestle again? I get to see. I live during the time Kenny Omega wrestled. That that's the, that's the expectation. Jericho put the expectations on himself, and I was like, "Stop doing that because you're not Hulk Hogan and you're not really I don't know what you are." And right now, Jericho's living up to it, and I need to feel the same thing about Kenny Omega as an in-ring performer. If Abushi was wrestling Jericho after that match, I would already feel that way. So I'm not saying unreasonable expectations. I would feel that way if Abushi was wrestling in the main event. So, I'm not even mad at you, Kenny Omega. You're kind of funny. I, I'm starting to dig his, like, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing here stuff on the videos. But you're here to wrestle, and you're the best in the world. So, is it too much to say I want to feel about your matches like I feel about Ibushi? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Uh, maybe you will. As some people, a lot of people, you know, Kenny Omega is the consensus pick for best in the world. So, yeah. maybe he will... Uh, impress you in a way that he maybe hasn't necessarily connected with me um do we know who won seth rollins kenny omega i'm pretty sure it's omega i, I don't know if he did the official announcement but i'm just looking okay. at like the bracket bracketify whatever it's called results okay. page and yeah it looks like kenny omega number one okay i'm I've been trying to apologize as I'm talking to me sounding unreasonable but i'm almost <laughs> starting to sound like i'm not being unreasonable <laughs> enough you know, this is the big get, and we've already did. I'm a, I'm a stepping out on a <laughs> This is the closest. This show is the closest I've ever come this week to saying that I don't think the Young Bucks are talented. <laughs> are, they good at, are they good at marketing? Sure, but watching some of these guys that, to me, were good at what they do but have similar styles, I don't know what it is. And this is where, because you and I are similar in that, I think we would both be happy to enjoy New Japan more than we do. Truth. You know, so it's not that. But I am watching a lot of New Japan guys for me that are doing stuff that's not necessarily my style, but they're doing it in such a way that's intriguing and unique. And the Young Bucks, to me, just do their shit endless. So I'm already, I'm fully off Young Buck boat. And, you know, Kenny Omega, I don't want to come down to just Cody Rhodes versus the world because I got a feeling I'll lose. (laughs) But Kenny Omega, it's kind of like, you know, I was willing to pretend like, can tag team wrestling be the best in the world with the Young Bucks? Can they be the best in the world? Should they main event shows? I was trying to play around with all their storylines, but I'm kind of, till they do something to impress me, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So that, that forces me to pay more attention to Kenny Omega because less attention on one is more attention on another. And I don't want to find out that Cody, Cody Rose is surrounded by a, a, a group of fools here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't know where Bushi. I need to go back to Doc's tournament and find out who who knocked the Bushi off. Um, let me see. I don't know about who bumped him off, but yeah, Bushi is twelve on this list that I'm looking mm. at. So twelve. That's silly to me. His buddy's number one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. Uh, this list is ridiculous. I can't even engage with this list. It's cool. It's interesting, but it's like it nothing cool. like anything that I am interested in. You know, so it's it's just. I know I'm just uh, in a different place, in a minority place, and that's that's common for me, so I'm not sad. Uh, maybe – I think ex- it's definitely fair to say you can't judge Kenny Omega by one match with Chris Jericho. Oh, no, I wouldn't, you know, honestly. So, um, so yeah, if you're worried that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are the same, they're not. They're very different. Um, I wonder what Kenny Omega is because – I watched that kind of hardcore match where him and Jericho were just doing all kind of shit to each other, <laughs> you know. But I know that's not a full judgment. So, I, so 
I don't know if you've seen enough of him. Maybe I need to talk to Doc or talk to someone. I've seen a lot of Kenny Omega. So okay, so all right, do me a do me a favor, really sure. quick. All right. all right, so you have to tell me in a start with a bushi. I've never seen a bushi. Tell me, tell me what a bushi is, and then in the same vein, do the same thing with Kenny Omega. Uh, you're really putting me on the spot here. Yeah, if you can't, don't do it. No, <laughs> but, not, but if you've seen them both, I'm just curious, like what what it because. Okay, here's what I, I would say Obushi. Like, like I've already said it, is very graceful in what he does. He's very yep. intentional in what he does. Very He's very much in the prime of his career. Like his high risk moves to me are intentional, purposeful, but they're beautiful at the same time. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I see with him that I see both talent and potential. He has a youthful way about him. He's kind of fun, um, maybe a little naive at times, like I said. But man, he gets it done from bell to bell. I made the Ricky Steamboat comparison in that. A lot of what he does is like, that's Ibushi doing that. That's not anybody else. It's Ibushi doing it. Uh, so that's some of what I would say about Ibushi, having not watched him enough to really say. I got gotcha. you. I mean, I think Omega is uh, distinctive as well. Um, I guess what I can say positively about him, what characterizes him, is I think everything he does is really like 110% in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, he will definitely give his whole body to like everything that he's doing. And you've seen it. I think yourself, even just in little things he does, like the way he whips off the ropes, the way he like goes mm. into moves, um, he really holds nothing back as far as that goes. Um, some people have told me he's a good storyteller. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, I think it's a different kind of storytelling than what I think of <laughs> as far as like, you know, I think about like limb psychology and like kind of a natural progression. I don't know if I see that, but uh, I do think he puts in like, little nods to like the bigger story maybe and like stuff that you might only pick up on if you're invested like in what he's doing which i think part is is part of his popularity is that like the more the better you know him kind of maybe the more you get out of him so Mm. i don't know if that gives you any more of an idea but that's just kind of off the top of my head uh also i hope you like long matches i'll just say that i'll just put that put that where it is so because he does not, he just strikes me as being very distinctive. Like, yeah. none, like his follow throughs in his moves, uh-huh. his, even his gimmicks and his poses. You know, everything's a deeply followed through, and it's so like it's so Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega trying to be what you know he's trying to be. So that and it, good and bad. Because you know, I'm saying I can't I can't judge a man off one like hardcore little feud fight with Jericho. But right. I forget that I saw him wrestle live. I've been in the building watching him wrestle Pentagon at all in yeah and so that's better because i like that match better but at the same time i forgot i watched him wrestle live (laughs) at all in so and that's partly on me like i would be so pissed off if i was a kenny omega fan i thought he was the best in the world and someone who's watched him two or three times you know is making judgments on him because i don't think that's enough time to make a judgment Mm. but there is also a little bit that if he is the best in the world Seeing him live, whether I see him zero times or three times, there should be just be a little bit of, you know what, I was I came to see Pentagon, but that dude, shit, man, who's that guy and why is he so special? And at least that night I didn't see that. I thought that he was, I thought he was good. I thought he like, if you told me to watch that match, and that one of them is the best in the world, I would say that. I don't know which one. I don't know which one you're talking about, but one of them is more colorful. <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, so 
I will say, if you like the big New Japan matches on this card, like if you like this match, I think you will find stuff that you like about Kenny Omega. I don't think you will think that he is the best in the world at any point. Um, but uh, I think you will like him better than you would like, say, the Young Bucks or something. Because he is much less likely to do, like, comedy stuff or, like, stand around taunting stuff and that kind yeah. of stuff. So, so yeah, let's hold out some hope for Kenny Omega here. Um, <laughs> I am. And not even for me, but I need him to be as good at, to a wider audience because right. if they are on TNT and I like the product, the only way he's going to make them more popular is through his wrestling. So I, I need everyone to deliver on what they deliver on to make this work. One thing I don't like that much about Kenny Omega, but people might like, is I do find him like very overdramatic at times. Like He'll pull mm-hmm. a lot of faces. He'll do a lot of you know that's stuff to me that's like melodramatic. But people like that now. People are very into that. Like, you, like a lot of this, like, top best of match in the world people, a lot of these are, like, very melodramatic people to me. Um, so, you know, if people are into that, then then maybe they'll like Omega. You know, they'll like it more than I do, I think, if they are into that. So, I don't this know. Is... We'll have to see. I am loath to put together and convince me about Kenny Omega because <laughs> I am not convinced and I don't think I would necessarily do the right thing. But if you want to watch more Kenny Omega, like in his own little segment, I'm sure he can find stuff and we can get a better idea about him. It'd be nice to try to find two matches that are not in any way alike. Okay. Well, let me think about that. and We'll see what we get to maybe next week. Because my biggest problem with Kenny Omega, if I'm being honest, and I, I talked my way into it, I think I've been scratching at an itch and I finally got to it. He does not convey to me all the time what he's trying to convey. Right. Like, I'm starting to really like him on the show. Again, this is weird for for, for being an idiot. Because to me, <laughs> like, not... Because I don't know if you saw the fighter, uh, that festival video. They put it together now. I have not, yeah. no. Oh, it's a bunch of women and a bunch of... Be- it's just oh, still yeah, me- I did see that, yeah. actually. And, it looks and it's really like Kenny Omega okay. missing the mark. And that... Like, I, I, that's, this is the most I've ever gotten into him that, because he strikes me as a guy that does not know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. So then when he tries to convey, like, serious emotion, to me, he still feels like that guy. Like, when he was at the podium, I don't know what the opposite of, like, impact. Like, when someone makes an impact, what is he, like, taking away an impact? <laughs> like, he sucked <laughs> out. Like, I don't know. He felt like the least ever... Because in real life, WWE and AEW were in a bidding war with him, and he came on last on that uh, conference show from Vegas, and I bought into all that weight, and the only thing that didn't deliver it to me was the man. And it's not even that he's bad, but he's goofy. He's just fucking goofy. And so I got to see how he's going to convey these things, because I do have in my mind, I don't know if it's from Jericho or Match or something else, that... Him being that super serious, make faces, and and that does not work because a lot of times to me, when people do that, they're doing it because they cannot make you feel what you need to feel. There's a man named Triple H who I can <laughs> talk about here, but he, like he Triple H will will narrate the matches. Like he'll just yell the things out that like, oh, this is serious. A thing happened. And I'm like, okay, I saw it happen. I don't need you narrating it. So I don't need the extra gimmicky stuff, but I do need you just to embody what you are about. And if you're not about it, don't embody it as your gimmick. And I think that's my fear. More than is he a good wrestler, is he not a good wrestler, can I believe what he embodies during a match or during a feud? 
or during a promo can I believe what the character embodies. And that might not matter to some people, but for who it matters to, it matters. And I want to. I want to. But I do believe that the times that I've seen him, he is going left and I'm going right. And the two never meet. Yeah, um, I'll see what I can put together for matches, and we'll see if okay. we can form a, a stronger opinion. Um, I wouldn't hold out hope for the promo section of that, because <laughs> I, I just don't think that's his strong suit. Um, which is another weird thing, because, yeah, to me, to be the best in the world, like I'm really thinking more of like a total package kind of thing. I just yeah. don't know if I see that in Omega. But what he does bring, it can be good, so we'll see what we can see, and we'll, we'll keep forming opinions from there. I hurt for a wrestling world that we're in that... You don't even have to consider total package for best in the world. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, I I don't know. Seth Rollins is number two, and I don't think he brings it very well yeah. in that way either, you know. So we're just, yeah, we're in a different sort of world right now. Um, we are. I have tried. I have believed, I think, on three occasions that Seth Rollins is the man that can make me watch WWE again. And then I watch him, and I'm like. It's a false narrative, honestly. <laughs> Technically, no. Technically, you get all the check marks. Technically, yeah. You did. You did all those things well, sir. But why is it that I still don't care? Yeah, <laughs> and that's how I, I can't I, invest in Seth Rollins. Yeah, so I can't have these as the best. And I, you know, WWE again. The smartest thing I've ever heard, maybe in my life, is Eric Bischoff saying that after Stone Cold Steve Austin or some at some point, WWE decided they never wanted a superstar to be so big that they could hurt the company, and that WWE is the star, and so they can book anyone into place, and it's going to do okay because WWE is the star. And so if you're AEW, you can't do that. Right, yeah. If WWE can get away with that, you can't get away with that. Absolutely. That That's one of the things that I need from AEW most is, yeah, like give us an era of stars again, not just a brand that has, like, people on it, you know. Yeah. So. Don't be interchangeable. Even... I've not been excited for Dean Ambrose for one second, and I'm not even saying I am now, but uh, the idea of John Moxley on TNT is, is like, at least I'm interested in, I'm curious, I'll say, if that happens. Right. But you can't be interchangeable, if you, especially if you're leaving WWE because they wouldn't push you and you're so goddamn good that you should be above every the other 500 people on the roster. <laughs> You better fucking prove it if you get if you get big money from AEW and then you show up and you're half-assing it or even if you're 97 percent assing it, I better not see that. Mm. We are we are in a world right now where to me, if you are a good wrestler and you could come out and be a memorable character, you might just be able to like scoop the world up in your hands and own it. Yeah. So somebody do that. I think I would book. I gotta stop. Okay, I, I think I would book Kenny Omega as a guy who does not want to be the best in the world. He, I like, I thought being EVP, I could. I, there's all these fucking. You know how many video games I'm behind on? I want to sit back here and play video games, and then he just keeps dragging. He keeps getting dragged into feuds, dragged into matches. But you know, you know, he's being dragged into it. But until that man can convince me he wants to be in one, don't tell me that you want to be in one. I like it. Uh, I'm nervous about our talking about this next match. Oh, man, I don't know why. Uh, I'm very curious now. We do have uh, the Ring of Honor Championship match. It is a three-way ladder match. Jay Lethal, Marty Skrull, 
some other guy, Matt Taven. Um, Matt Taven. <laughs> uh, you get a pre-match uh, promo where Marty Skrull says if he can't win the title at Madison Square Garden, he doesn't know where his career is going. It's going to AEW, buddy. Um, yeah, we, we know, know it. Um, yeah, so uh, the sense I'm getting about this match, I can't tell if you liked it or not. I can definitely tell that you did not like Matt Taven, and uh, that is something that I can definitely relate to. Uh, all my notes about Matt Taven are mostly Matt Taven is a person who exists. Like, he's yes. a, a very uh, forgettable, unnoticeable person. Um, and I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he really no. stands out at all. So, I don't know. He did, like, one or two things in this match that I did like. But overall, yeah, I, I find him very bland. Um, so, I don't know. Tell, tell me about this match. Uh, what, did, what did you think? Sometimes it would be less offensive if you were bad. <laughs> because then, like, I'm sorry, like, I get it. Like, I could never be a pro wrestler. I'd be bad, you know, but right. I don't know what this man is. He's, I don't want to look at him, and I don't want him on my screen. And that's probably the last thing that, and that's not what you're aiming for. I like the sit-down interview kind of thing with all three of them, and, and we skipped one earlier that I really like where I, just like Ring of Honor New Japan guys are just talking about either hearing about Madison Square Garden from Japan or walking by it but not even be able to like get tickets to be in like to attend it. You know, so I, I thought they did some good little uh build and I missed that I think. I don't know if that was on my broadcast. Uh, that does sound it was good. on my it was good. You know, is it the beginning of the show? You just had uh, maybe the Briscoes, but you had guys from Ring of Honor that I can't remember who it was. Somebody, you know, they saw it as a building, but they could never get in there. And you had people from Japan, you know, like we hear about it. We heard about it, you know, Madison Square Garden. And um, someone else said, where is it? We're going to make new history there tonight. Mm. Um, you mentioned Marty. Marty says, if not Madison Square Garden, win. If I don't win the title, I don't really know where my career goes. I wish I could talk to Ring of Honor in New Japan because... What sold me, I read a Marty Skrull interview, I don't have it written down, but he was talking this thing up so big that it made me want to watch it, and then a promo like that. So, Marty Skrull sold you one, at least one Honor Kingdom membership. Then we got this match. This is the only match where I had anything on the line. I, I think that was pleasant to watch a show that I enjoyed, but who gives a fuck one way or the other? I don't watch these shows weekly. Like it's, not a, it's not a burden on me. But I knew who was going to win. I said before the match even started. Uh, let's see. For, for Matt. Oh, first Matt Taven looks stupid in his entrance. He's wearing a stupid crown. And again, King of Kings stuff. To me, this is a this is the old lipstick on a pig. When I can't convey something, give me a crown and a big entrance and let that do the conveying. And I'll just be the... the uh... Okay, so... When are you someone who is a king with a crown, and when are you a body simply holding up the crown and the gimmick? <laughs> and, like, what makes Matt Taven a king? I don't... I hate this kind of shit where it's like, okay, why, what? You're a pale, tall man who people don't really care about. I'll buy that. <laughs> oh, why, why are you a king? And then Jay Lethal... I want to say something, because I know... TNA gets bashed a lot, and sometimes I do it. Jay Lethal is so interesting to me in that the most 
character he ever had was imitating other people. <laughs> and maybe you can't live off of that, but you also can't knock TNA for using it. Right. But then, when you don't have that, to me, I respected the work ethic of Jay Lethal in this match. Yeah. And I don't think I never, like, I think that's what I think of Jay Lethal. I respect your work ethic. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't know you're a world champion. I don't know you got the character. But this is a, this is a difference. I don't know what this is. Maybe one day I'll apologize to Matt Taven because I'm just seeing him a few times. <laughs> but why can't I say the same thing? You know, Jay Lethal doesn't pop off the screen for me. I don't really want to see another Jay Lethal match. I don't go looking for them. But Matt Taven's being on screen offended me. And it's just, I don't know what it was, but he's unlikable to me in a way that is not that you're a heel and that's good. And this is what you were saying in a way earlier. If that if Enzo and Cass are so offensive to people that nobody will watch, then that was a bad move. But I'm not even an Enzo and Cass fan. I, I, especially Cass, I don't even know. But like Enzo, I know at least can get heat, and maybe Matt Taven can too. But the two or three times I watched him, because I had I had the honor uh, subscription, and so that day I was watching stuff to get the build up. Mm. He's just there, and he's making faces, or he's like, uh, like you know, I'm just a. I don't know. It's so implied, but not wasn't doing it for me. So I was like, Marty, I know you're not going to win this match, but as I look at your opponents, you might sneak this thing through even if you're not supposed to, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I did wonder a little if they'd go with him, maybe for a short reign before he left, just because he definitely looked much more interesting than the other two. Yeah. And I like Jay Lethal, but I agree with you. He tends to be very bland when he's just himself. Um not as bland as Taven, who is, like, next-level bland. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I will say, even though I kind of share a lot of those opinions, I still actually did like this match. Um, you know, I was not at all crazy about the winner, but uh, I thought there were a lot of good things in this match going on. This match, and to me, this might be my second favorite match of the night. So, I don't need to... I yeah, thought. honestly, mine too. So I'm right there with you. There's a great moment. I want to talk positively okay. for a second. Um, Skrull and Taven are, like, fighting on the top of the ladder, and Skrull does the finger, like, yes. snapping thing on Taven. And Taven, you know, he sells it pretty well. And yeah. then he goes and he knocks out Skrull's injured knee to knock him down the ladder. And that is very cool because they had been selling that knee very consistently all through the match is one of my favorite things about the match. It was really on point. But my favorite thing, after Taven is not scrolled down, he's trying to, like, hold on to the ladder, but he can't because his fingers just got snapped, and he falls off too. And I'm like, that is actually really cool. So very, very good stuff there. I, I love that. That's somewhere in my notes. Um, and that's why I was getting all the other stuff out of the way because the match, I thought the match was amazing. And first person I want to shout out is Jay Lethal, because I thought he took a beating in this match. He's often on the receiving end of stuff, so that was cool. You know, he's had his two long title reigns put together and, all, and everything, but you know he's not going to win the belt, but he's out there taking a beating. Marty Skrull is doing the big pop stuff. He's kind of, The fans are into Marty Skrull. That's who they want to see. And he tries to get the belt down with the umbrella. That doesn't work. You know, Nice try, though, especially for a man of his height. <laughs> I kind of like that, too. They discussed that in the announcement booth a little bit, that yeah. Matt Taven just has an advantage in that. I, okay. I like the Ring of Honor announcement booth some of the times during the night for the reason that I did not like Ring of Honor booking. And Ring of Honor booking seems to miss the small things that make a big difference. 
The announcers do not. And so they're counting. Like, I think Matt Taven can grab that belt from, like, the third or fourth row down, and um, Marty's girl has to be standing at the top of the ladder. You know, and that matters a whole lot. So I like that he used the umbrella. I didn't think Nick, Nick Aldis... It was uncomfortable at times because he's trying to be a heel and talk about the NWA title being so big and even talking down Ring of Honor sometimes and then the announcers are kind of talking him down and then, <laughs> you know. But anyway, good Marty stuff, the umbrella, then Lethal, uh, as I said, taking a beating. We get a figure four off the ladder by Lethal on Marty, um, Taven climbing the other side. Uh, and then again, Taven's big. This is another... Um, not a Triple H conversation, but this is another Triple H moment where there's just a ladder that's been set up on the outside, and nobody did it for any reason. And then I see it later. I'm like, oh, that ladder's still there. So someone's going to do a spot on it. And then Taven's big move is he does his big spot for the night is a running powerbomb through the thing that's already set up for no reason. So it points off for that. Sorry. But I like it better when it makes sense with what's happening in real time and not just, oh, look what happens to be set up. Uh, Taven, I think, was killing the crowd a little bit at times because I think the fans really wanted to see Marty win it. I think we knew J- uh, Jay Lethal was not going to win it. I like the chicken wing at- attempt on the ladder. It ended up being a half chicken, but, man, I thought they both were going to die. I thought he was going to put on a chicken wing and fall backward. And the finger break, man, that was big on the finger break. The thing that I said somewhere, and I can't find it, is that there are a lot of big spots in this, but it's also... That is a well-thought-out ladder match. Yeah, I thought so. Like, there was a lot of... I mentioned it already, but there was a huge emphasis on Marty having an injured leg, and that really affected, like, the flow of the match a bunch of times. It was very consistent. I really like that. Yes. I have a hate fans. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then... (laughs) The the ladder, did you see when the ladder was thrown outside and it hit a fan in the front row? Yeah, yeah, it kind of tipped over and then maybe... And then we get... We get a that's a lawsuit chant. Oh, is that what they were saying? I didn't even hear it. I had excited uh, Japanese people talking, so I didn't hear the crowd as much. (laughs) That's nice. Um, Where were we at? Yes, the finger. Oh, well, you got a you deserve it chant after the um, fingers got uh, snapped or broken. (laughs) That was nice. Yeah. Uh, the ladders, the turning the ladders into an X, that was that was a bit dangerous, and I was wondering what was going to happen with that. Yeah, yeah. That, that would that would pretty brutal, you know. It was a little convoluted, but they used it in a way that, like, okay, yeah, you might take the time to make this weird, like, murder X if you were actually going to murder somebody with it, which they yeah. did, so fair enough. I think if I was watching this match and I did not know who has a contract, who's been champion, who seems like they're being pushed, and I just had to judge by the match... I don't feel like I would have a clue who was going to win the match. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, they, they all had advantages. They all had disadvantages throughout the match, and it, it, was, it was sound in that way. Yeah, it's a weird situation where the match was actually very fun. I agree. It was one of the best of the night, honestly. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, but also, it has all these underlying problems that are like hard not to think about, especially when you look back mm. at it. And it's really nothing about the match, and it's not even really about the way like the wrestlers, they all did a good job. They worked hard, I thought. Um, yeah. It's when the match is over and you need somebody to, like, cut a promo or have a character that two of these three people is, you know, they're going to struggle, I think. Yeah, and this has always been Ring of Honor to me. And when I try to watch it, every fucking time I try to watch it, they're just about to start uh, start with a Matt Taven. And, <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, every, like somebody will draw me in and it's never going to be that person. And then, like, a guy I don't know pops up and, and it's just someone who I can't get with. But... 
Also, I like them because a lot of Ring of Honor guys they push have a Ring of Honor vibe. And then if there wasn't a Ring of Honor, all those people with a Ring of Honor vibe would probably be in AEW. So <laughs> I kind of also like them for like storing their those people somewhere <laughs> else. But anyway, I just Matt Taven is probably better than what I'm giving him credit for. But I really, man, when even knowing he was going to win it. When he finally got to the point, and you always know in a ladder match when there's two people who are not getting up in time, it just man the air for me just went out watching that. Yeah, yeah. Matt Taven, I've definitely seen him have good matches, and like I said, this is one of them. You know, good performances, yeah. but there's just something about him that yeah sucks the energy out of the room. He's he's a very bland choice for a champion. <laughs> Especially when you're Ring of Honor. This is what. And this is why maybe like you might be right and everybody else could clearly be right that they made some bad choices, you know, with some of the people they brought in. But I think the thing that at least initially made me excited was at least they're not like every other Ring of Honor person. And <laughs> you know, watching a Taven, like if your promotion's bland, you might need someone who's not bland. Like Taven, if like if it's WWF in the eighties like Taven being bland, like you're still this color all around you, right. but man, you you're the same black and white as the Ring of Honor, and I just I can't get with that, and you know, it's hard. This is Madison Square Garden. I almost would rather see Jay Lethal win, and then maybe Taven beat him on some house show or something. Sure. But man, launching Taven at Madison Square Garden, I don't. He has that he deserves that is beyond my sight right now. <laughs> it's it's weird too, and yeah, Ring of Honor. I mean, you can pick and choose which problems you think are problems, but they've got so many problems that you, yeah. it's not hard to pick some. This is a roster that has Jeff Cobb, that has mm. PCO, Brody King, Bandito, Rush, Dalton Castle. You know, a lot of people wow. who have color, who have like different aspects about them, and you picked Matt Taven. What are you yeah. doing? You know, that, is it a is it a Nick Aldis thing? Is just you, you just know that nobody else is gonna want Matt Taven? Like I don't know. It's weird. It's very strange to me. I think what I would do right now is have two things happening at the same time. That we see Cobb get on a roll that is unlike you know, the, the the kind of role that head fans chanting Joe's gonna kill you or cheering Vader at Slamboree when you're not mm-hmm. supposed to. Like that kind of role where he's going to win all the championships and you're not going to have a promotion. And then on the other hand, have PCO have a revival like you're not supposed to have. He's going to win all the belts. He's destroying the company. This is not supposed to happen. And then one day, Mr. PCO looks across the bodies on the floor. Mr. Cobb does the same thing. And they're looking at each other. Oh, I love it. Go ahead, boys. But no, fake, stupid crown wearing, gimmicky, bland Taven. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't That's know. The sad. more I think about it, the more I really think it is a question because all these guys we're talking about who are more exciting, you know, they're signed to what? Like maybe one year contracts, and man, they're probably going to go somewhere else. But even if that is the case, use them while you've got them. Use you know? them. Maybe convince them to stay. Maybe get your product hot so that people will stay. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Taven, I don't know. He worked hard in this match. I got to respect him for that. But it just just a very bad choice for a champion. I will say this. Paul George of the Indiana Pacers finally eventually pushed himself. They, he made them trade him because he's a, 
He's from California. Wants to be on the Lakers before his career is over. But they send him to Oklahoma City for one year. And he connects with Russell Westbrook so much that when that year is over, he does not even take a sit down with the Lakers. He immediately resigns with the Thunder, which was never anything he wanted to do. <laughs> Push them while you have them and let whatever happens happen. Agreed. All right, we got like 13 minutes, 12, 13 minutes <laughs> left before we hit our limit here. So I know you mentioned Okada a number of times. We got this title match, Kazuchika Okada taking on Jay White for the IWGP Championship. What what do you think about this one? Let's let's get it all out there. Okay, so this was interesting because I was so tired at this point that at the beginning I wasn't really watching. I thought, you know, I can let one slide because it's late. I don't know what it is in this world about watching Okada, but I never look forward to it or I've never sought him out. But it feels like something more than wrestling to me when I watch him. And it feels like something that I should and do feel fortunate to see. And you don't see a lot of... I think partly what I did not like about him one time when he was the guy that was going to knock off Tanahashi is you don't always see a lot of flash. And he had the whole Rainmaker gimmick with the move and he all, all that he's producing and doing. And I was like... You're going to let that man, that young man in his flash, knock you off, Tanahashi. You're, you're the workhorse. Don't let this happen. And now, I don't know. It feels a little bit. When I watch Shawn Michaels in the prime, prime of his athletic career, not his storytelling career, but his athletic career, and I'm thinking versus mankind and mind games, and it's just. If I liked him, which I did, but if I hated him, none of that would matter when he was wrestling because every single move, the motion, and that's what Okada, the word motion is the word that comes to mind with Okada. He's always in motion. He's snapping off his drop kicks. His Rainmaker's kind of cool. I don't think I liked it at one point, but now I do. I learn. I evolve. And I don't know. He's just... He's a pleasure to watch. And this Jay White, I didn't know about him. I thought he looked weird. I thought that, you know, I was like, hey, Jay White, what are you doing here in the main event? <laughs> I don't know him. I'm not judging him. I'm just saying that's what I thought. No, you you know him. <laughs> <laughs> that's the line of the night. How many people listened to two hours and maybe 50 minutes or so and, and caught the line of the night from his fans? Congratulations. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. You say something then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Okada, he's a beautiful wrestler, and uh, you have to appreciate everything he does in there. You know, he's another guy who I think, if you had run Doc's poll maybe like two years ago, I think he'd mm. have been the guy sitting at number one. Now he's a little bit less in vogue, but still uh, very much beloved, um, and rightfully so. Uh, I am not a Jay White fan. Um, I don't know what he's doing in this spot. That was almost certainly supposed to be Kenny Omega's spot. That would have been a lot more exciting. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm not really, yeah, into the guy at all. But uh, I appreciated everything Okada did in this match. And uh, I really appreciate that he won. And uh, I yeah. guess my only complaint is I would have maybe liked to see this get a little grittier. Um, because it's Okada. Basically, like, the idea is supposed to be he's trying to take back his company. But mm. even in the 
pre-match video, I was a little disappointed in his comments because he was just like, oh, I just love New Japan. I want to wrestle matches that are New Japan style. And I'm like, okay, but maybe you need to, like, wrestle right. this company from this, like, geek who took your spot and yeah. should never have been here, you know? So maybe a little more about that. So that's really the only thing I would have wanted. Um, also, maybe shave a little time off of this because I think it went, like, 30 yeah. five minutes or something and i really don't think it needed to but that's the new japan style they like to do that and hey a lot of people love this match so i'm not gonna say anything uh too bad about it it's a lot of good stuff in this it had the right winner it made the fans really happy so that's that's kind of all you need sometimes yeah i thought some of the exchanges towards the end were good they really seemed like they were at the end of their uh uh tanks or supplies and I honestly, think so, I think but the, I saw Okada go like seventy-five minutes with Omega, so yeah. who knows? Uh, I don't know. I have to watch it again to see kind of what was took them out. Right. But I think the best thing about the match is who won. Absolutely. So we agree on that, and also, it's just a good way to end the show. Like I don't think there's anybody just say, "Oh, that damn Okada! I've got to watch him win." Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that sentiment was there. You know, so definitely not. Not to me anyway. So. Yeah, the right winner taking this home and uh, ending a really historic show. That All in all, I really liked a lot. Um, I think uh, everyone agreed at least that, that parts of it were really good. Yeah. Uh, I think the Ring of Honor parts, a lot of them got underrated, kind of from a knee-jerk reaction maybe, or maybe just from different tastes. But yeah, overall, yeah. this was a very good show, and it sounded like the fans who were there live really uh, loved it in particular, so... So that that's very cool. Uh, I'm glad it came off well. I'm glad a lot of people watched it for a show that was booked on the strength of the elite, um, which turned out to be like not an intentional bait and switch, but like definitely a bait and switch anyway. Uh, I'm glad it did as well as it did. And uh, I'm sure it won't be the last because I think uh, AAA already announced they're going to do a Madison Square Garden show wow. at some point. So hopefully we see a lot more wrestling from this building that is kind of uh, – you know, been left open to uh, the rest of the wrestling world to come in. Yeah, and let's, let's never forget that WWE did all they could to make this not happen. Indeed. Yes, shameful behavior. And it did, man. This is, like, I don't even argue with people. Like, would I ever say, like, if New Japan could do this by themselves or with another company, you know, it's not a, it's not a hot take to say, oh, New Japan, separate yourself from Ring of Honor. You're better than them. But you also don't get in the building. Ring of Honor helped them get in the building. True. So, you know, like right now they are where they are, and you can like what you like, and that's all fine. But you can't say New Japan Pro Wrestling, at least on April 6th, I believe it was, made history by being in Madison Square Garden without saying Ring of Honor made history by being in Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. Whatever it goes, even if this show with kind of the backlash means they're going to break up with New Japan, you know, which would definitely be bad for them. But regardless, they're always going to have that going for them. Yeah. You can't take it away from them. It's a moment, you know, because there was a time for wrestling fans, especially in the U.S., that, meant, you know, not all of us, you know, are seeing all this actually going on. So what we saw was WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor. Yeah. And whether I liked them or not liked them, it's not fair for me to now enjoy a host of pro wrestling without appreciating the folks that right or wrong, good or bad, 
kept it going to get me back here or to keep wrestling, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pay honor to at least what they've done. And, you know, it's not my company, so I'm not going to defend it, but so much. But, man, let them have their moment. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And uh, remember context. Remember uh, to take things as they are, as they come individually. Uh, it's not about the brand all the time. It's about. Uh, yeah. It's about the individuals, you know, that's what I like to look at. I like so. that too. I like that a lot, sir. All right. So I guess we'll be back next week with regular programming unless we have yeah. some other thing to do. All right, cool. Uh we'll be back with more MLW, more AEW, more clips, maybe uh some Kenny Omega. Definitely a convince me on mm-hmm. uh, on somebody. I have to see who I have time to put something together for. Um but, yeah, no, it, it'll be very interesting, I have no doubt. Any parting thoughts you want to give on this show? Not so much on the show, but I do want to say that Cole Icon said explicitly what I felt would be the truth anyway, is that AEW smartly, you know, toned it down for a bit, let WrestleMania season happen, and that you could expect a lot to unfold post-WrestleMania, and it's already happening. So I do look forward to diving back into all things AEW beginning next week as we get closer to Double or Nothing. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time, so please join us then. Thank you for everyone listening to the whole show. Uh, if you ever want to shout us out, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Talk to me about all these stuff. Talk to me about how we're crazy for mm. appreciating Ring of Honor or not appreciating New Japan enough. Whatever we did wrong, let me know. I'll pass it on to Shane, who deals with that kind of thing better than I do. Um, so... Mm. <laughs> um, Thanks uh, for listening again. Please listen to all the other great programs on LOP Radio and uh, LordsofPain.net and LOP Forums for a lot of great written material. That is all for today. We'll be back next week. Please join us. We will see you then. Absolutely. And don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature
white stripes and salty tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature